late Tuesday, June the 23rd into probably Wednesday, June the 24th for most of you listening to this. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. We'll have a heavy horse racing on this episode. We will talk about Wednesday racing from Gulfstream Park, best bets, best bets from Indiana Grand. Then we go through the Canterbury Pick 5. Remember just 10% takeout in that Pick 5 with Brian Aragoni, who's the on-track handicapper there. He joins us for the Wednesday Pick 5 and the Thursday Pick 5. On Thursday, we also give best bets for Belmont. We talk about Churchill Downs with Chris Tivman, who joins us to go through the entire Churchill card. We're going to talk about some baseball at the beginning and some other news um, throughout the, uh, the world of sports. Kick back and enjoy this episode of That's What G Said. So, literally minutes before I came on the air here, we all saw the news, or if you did not see the news, baseball is back. Baseball will be played this year. Um, They have reached an agreement. There will be a 60-game season starting a month from today, July 23rd, July 24th. Let's get through the details. After much back and forth um, over what feels like forever, the union... And the owners, you know, the Players Association and the owners, they were able to come to an agreement. So let's go through some of the news um, from Jeff Passan, who's been one of the main men covering this for a while. So it's going to be a 60-game season starting July the 23rd or 24th in empty ballparks. The players will be reporting to camp by July the 1st. So in a week, they're going to be back at camp. The final... Issue was uh, health and safety protocols. They were able to iron any kind of the issues that they had out, and everybody seems to be fine. The issues have been resolved. Players are reporting to training camp. So the regular season schedule will have both divisional and interleague play for teams, which will play only the teams within their geographical division to mitigate travel. So the league also said the majority of teams are expected to um, to conduct preseason training in their home cities. So it looks like it'll be, you know, the um, the West versus the West, the East versus the East. Um, you'll play a lot more games against your division, and then interleague probably against those divisions. And it won't be like a full schedule. Obviously, we're only going to have a sixty a sixty game schedule, but you it won't be you know. Uh, playing the the every team the same amount or the way the schedule was going to be set up, there are probably going to be some some games against teams that you wouldn't have uh, um, expected teams to be playing this year. So each team will play ten games against each of its four division rivals, and then four games versus each of the five clubs in the corresponding division, according to the details obtained by the AP. There it is. Team is scheduled to make. Only one trip to each city in its visits in MLB's shortest season since 1878. Yankees and Dodgers are open to have the favorites. According to Caesars, Houston Astros are third. So it was Monday when the owners voted to implement the 60-game season and MLB asked the union um, if players would be able to report to spring training camp by July 1st. And if the union would agree on health and safety protocols, they were able to um, get together. And now the league will give as many games as possible through September 27th. That's the cutoff date. And 
They're hoping that this could 60 games instead of 50 Could help against a grievance from the players They Will receive their full Prorated share of their salaries About 37% of their full Season salaries Postseason will remain at 10 teams Players will Does anything other specific Players will not agree to wearing on-field microphones Teams will not wear advertising patches on their uniforms Um, Sides expanded The DH to games involving National League teams For the first time And instituted the radical innovation of starting Extra innings with a runner on second Base Playoff teams remain at 10 for now Still a talk of possible expansion The rejected deal had called for 16 Trade deadline August 31st And The deadline to be in an organization For postseason eligibility is September the 15th Teams can resume making trades Friday When rosters will no longer be frozen Active rosters will be 30 During the first two weeks of the season Then they cut down to 28 during the the second two weeks Then 26 They will not expand to 28 on September 1st As originally intended With no uh, minor leagues Teams will be allowed to retain 60 players each Including a taxi squad Up to 3 players from the taxi squad Can travel with a team to a game Uh, One of the 3 must be a catcher So Some of these specifics there Baseball On the way back And now I know there's a lot of people out there Just from like when when I've posted The The you know the links on social media A lot of people are out there saying I don't care You know and, you know, Players are you know, wanting more money And this and that Okay If you don't know what, what was going on The specifics Make sure you're at least kind of uh, um, uh, Pointing your anger at the right group The players really didn't do anything wrong here Unfortunately 2020 Is a weird year right Not a, not a good year in really any sense Of things that have been happening How many people Individually or businesses have lost a ton of money These players have already taken what was A 30, you know, they're making 37% Of what they were supposed to make this year They've already taken a pay cut They just are getting prorated pay It's the owners who who were the ones That wanted to continue to cut the season down Because they wanted to lose less money When they have, you know the, They are the ones with billions In this situation who should be and has, should have been using this as an investment for their future Let's get baseball back If we can get 80 games, great Anything close to 100 would be awesome As much as we can do They could have started a few weeks ago it, You know, Keep in mind, it, it's not like we would have been able to start baseball Two months ago With everything going on It, it wouldn't have been you know, a, Much of a different start date We're talking about maybe a month But I know a lot of people feel rubbed the wrong way Because it's, it's folks arguing about the difference Between millions and billions But you have to look at it from the player's perspective They were going to be asked to go out here In the middle of a pandemic And, and put their lives on the line For a, a mere fraction of what they were You know, what they were agreed upon and, and then they were asked to take another pay cut On top of that We understand not getting hours We understand a lot of us you know, have been furloughed Fired, laid off and stuff like that But at at most places it's not necessarily You know getting paid less per And that's what what they were actually being asked to to get So I'm glad that you know baseball is going to be back And and, and the real key to all these things right And and we're going to talk about this as we transition Into the NBA in a minute Is that all of this is being said With The you know, assumption that everything is okay health-wise, that there aren't any massive outbreaks, you know, amongst the teams, amongst the players. There's nobody that 
that um, if if it's maybe one or two, very few here and there, I think it should be okay from from everything that I've read. But we're all assuming health. I'm not, you know, when some of the people are saying people are responding out there when they see that sports are getting back and they're saying it may not work. You're right. I'm reporting and kind of talking about this under the assumption that hey, they're planning on this coming back. Here's what they're going to do. Here are some of the of you know the specifics and. You know, last week we didn't know if baseball was going to come back, and it wasn't because of the virus. It was because the owners and the players could not come to agreement on terms to get a season started. Now at least we have that. It's sixty games. Is it the one sixty-two that we're used to? No. Is it going to be completely different? Yes. It, are we going to always look at the season? And if there's a champ, and if the season finishes, uh, whoever wins the World Series, are we going to maybe put an asterisk next to them and say this was different? Absolutely. Is the same thing going to happen in the NBA? 100%. That's just, everything's going to be that way for 2020. I'm fine with that. We're all going to know that looking back. Let's hope it's only 2020 that that happens for. And let's be happy to get some of these sports back. I think in a month when we have a baseball game on TV, a lot of us are going to be excited to turn on and watch, you know, the Dodgers, Yankees, you know, Braves, Red Sox, Astros, whoever you're a, a fan of, it'll be fun uh, because not long after the NBA is planning to start back up. So within a week, we're going to get baseball and then be NBA. We're going to talk about NBA news and and uh, a couple other news around the world uh, of sports. But first, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. In a world that is very divisive, many people are at one extreme or the other right now. It seems like that's just the way to be. We can't really agree on, on much. I know one thing we can all agree on. Everybody likes it when it's smelling good, and nobody likes it when it stinks. That's why you need to check out Sarah Candle Company, C-E-R-A Candle Company at sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. Their goal was to create a candle that is 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. I know the people uh, that are in charge of Sarah Candle Company. I've known them my entire life. Here are some of the reasons why they are the best. They have all-natural soy wax. They are free from the toxins found in paraffin wax. So if you're someone who likes to burn candles a lot, these are actually much better for you. They're healthier to have out and in and around the house, and they are much better than the ones used by other leading brands who have that that paraffin wax. The all-natural soy wax will hold your scent better, and it will burn up to 50% longer than that paraffin wax candle. 100% lead-free cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro-batches, hand-poured to ensure the highest quality, and they are locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA. Over 25 different scents available in three different sizes. They give you instructions and details how to keep your candle clean, how to ensure the perfect burn, make sure you take care of it, you trim the wick, They have uh, fragrance oils infused with natural essential oils in these candles. Best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable prices, longer burning. None of those carcinogens or those pollutants that are found in other leading candle brands. This was created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and now they've blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. Promo code GINO will get you 10% off of your entire purchase. A great gift for anyone, um, you know, any kind of a holiday. And if you're looking to send a, a gift to a friend, uh, a loved one, check out a, a couple of the different scents here from Sarah Candle Company. SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code GINO. Get you 10% off your purchase. 
So we'd been hearing that there were, you know, growing concerns about the uh, the coronavirus cases spiking in Florida. We've seen cases spiking all over the place. And even percentages going up as more people are getting tested, not just the test numbers, actual percentages going up, which is not a not not a good thing. And so now, of course, there's going to be concern in places, you know, like uh, Texas, we've seen Florida, Arizona are, are some of the, the few. And especially because Florida is Orlando, where the NBA bubble is supposed to to be. And so we've heard that, that some players have, have discussed maybe not going. And it looks like Wednesday is going to be the day. For the players to kind of try to figure out if they're going to be in or not, and and it will give teams an opportunity to try to fill the spot because that just happened right now, right before we uh, came on the air with Avery Bradley of the Lakers. He has uh, decided that he is not going to be playing. He had talked about how he thinks this is what is necessary for his family. And I can respect him for doing so. He had mentioned, um, you know, that his son, um, there were some kind of issues with, um, you know, respiratory, and he said this was is what he thought was best for him and his family. So, uh, you know, let's get to uh, the, the exact wording from Adrian Wojnarowski. Bradley. Opting out of Orlando is committed to my Lakers teammates and the organization as I am. I ultimately play basketball for my family. So uh, he said his six-year-old son has a history of struggling to recover from respiratory illness and would have been unlikely to be medically cleared to enter the bubble with his family. He didn't want to be without his family um, for a few months. So we may be finding out over the next 24 hours that some players from teams are deciding not to go for whatever reason. If it's injury if it's, you know, scares of this medically, if it's something to do with their families, we're going to hear about that. Uh, you know, I think some people, they talked about it in baseball. If you have a, you know, a wife or a uh, loved one who is ill or pregnant or you have very young kids, are you going to be able to leave for, you know, leave, leave for that long? So we'll see if some players on teams that don't feel like they have an opportunity to win a title, maybe they don't. They don't come back, and, and we're going to start to find out more and more. I think over the next 24 hours, it looks like free agent guard J.R. Smith is a, emerged as a leading candidate to replace Avery Bradley, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Is for the Lakers. Remember, they actually um, signed Dion Waiters, and we haven't we never saw Dion Waiters play. And this would probably mean we're going to see more Caruso with no Avery Bradley. It feels like Caruso would be a perfect fit to to start. And and be in situations where he doesn't need to handle the ball. That's that's his one of his weaknesses. He's not a good ball handler, but he's an excellent defender, and he's just a smart basketball player. He he does a great job playing when he's on the court with LeBron. They have incredible plus minus together and chemistry. And so I think Caruso would be a great fit there. Then what you do is you end up getting what you need from Rondo is for him to help run the offense when LeBron's not in the game. So those few minutes a game where LeBron's you know out and you need someone on the you know, on the court to handle the ball a little bit. That's where you'll have probably Rondo. You know, in in minute. You know, hopefully just little five minute spurts there. And um, yeah, so within the twenty third, twenty fourth, baseball's back, and then the NBA is going to be back on July thirtieth. Again, all of this is hoping and assuming um, health wise, safety protocols, all that is on the up and up. Um, and we could be seeing you know MLB and NBA within a week of each other. Uh, Coming back in, you know, within the next 
six weeks, two of the big major sports will be back in these real condensed, interesting seasons. You know, the NBA, remember, they're only going to finish the last eight games of, the, of what would have been a season, not even finishing a season, but they're going to play eight games and then go into a playoff. Baseball is going to just take a shot playing a shortened 60 game season and then get into their playoff. Tis the law. Wins the Belmont. We'll have a lot more horse racing to talk about later, but I just wanted to mention shout out to Tis the Law, who has been just a really, really nice animal from the get go. He has one blemish on his record. He had a little bit of trouble when he finished third in the Kentucky Jockey Club, and he's won his other five races. And now he wins the Belmont. It looks like he's going to be headed to the Travers and then the, the Kentucky Derby after. Remember, the, the schedule is all backwards. He's a horse who has taken a lot of money. You know, in, in most of his starts now, especially his last few, because we've known how good he is after his couple. So, from a betting standpoint, he's not one that I generally bet. I'm usually either kind of staying away or playing against him. This time we were playing against him on the win end, and he was just excellent. Looked really good. He was better than that group, and he handled them um, the way a better horse should. So, congratulations to the connections there, winning the Belmont, and it looks like they're going to be on to the Travers for the next spot for Tis the Law. We are currently in the Elite Eight of That's What G Said Podcast Best Football Movies. Get on over to Twitter, follow me, it's me, Gino B, and vote in the polls. It's Remember the Titans versus Friday Night Lights, Varsity Blues versus Necessary Roughness, Brian Song versus Jerry Maguire, and The Waterboy versus Rudy. We'll let you know as the final, as we get to the final four, and we'll you know, break those down a little more. And on the next episode later on this week In what's really sad news I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it yet Because it's all still such a fluid situation But you know, I'm a huge wrestling fan We talk about WWE and All Elite Wrestling And you know different wrestling here Recapping shows, talking about old wrestling shows um, All the time And this week, what is um, very similar To what we saw in the Me Too uh, movement um, And uh, not Which was about a year, year or two ago there's been a similar movement coming out in um, in wrestling all over, and um, there have been many people speaking out, um, male, female, um, people all over who have been harmed, who have been harassed, who have been assaulted, who have been sexually abused by um, some some of these cases, very famous wrestlers that many of us didn't know about. In some cases, people knew rumors or heard things, but. It's been uh, very unfortunate and a, and a really rough week, I think, for a lot of people who either, in particular, the people who went through all of this and had to relive these memories and, and had to uh, kind of drag all this stuff up again, whether to be to talk about it or to kind of uh, help to draw awareness for, for some people out there. So in what's been just a very, very sad year where there have been a lot of bad things happening in the world, um, we were able to... See that some of the people that we, we we thought and we may have looked up to are are not quite the people we thought they were. So um, when we find more out about that, um, I'll talk a little bit more about it. I just wanted to address it as a uh, you know being someone that, that pays attention to wrestling. I've been seeing a lot of this stuff, and it's just it's horrifying. There's not a whole lot um, positive to say about it. I just hope that um, with all this stuff coming to light, some people will be saved and, and helped. And you know we've seen major major. Um, wrestlers from different organizations be fired, released already, and uh, there there have been a lot of names um, named people from the the past, people currently, and uh, hopefully this is this is the start of kind of cleaning up uh, that that world 
um, in, in the way that the wrestling business is. And if it and if it does, then um, hopefully at least some some positive came from this. With these major sports coming back right now is the time to head to ThriveFantasy.com or go to your app store and download the Thrive Fantasy app. It's a daily fantasy app. I'm sure some of you out there who love to play fantasy sports and or bet on um, sports, you've played you know in, on these different daily fantasy apps. This one is, is a little different in that what they do is it's all about over-unders. So if you're someone who bets on props, this will be something that is right up your alley. You select um, and build your lineup around a list of prop bets. And on each bet, they're assigned a point total, and you pick over or under the point total. And you select your lineup. You have a couple in-case-of-emergency selections all the way down. They have contests right now that are going on for golf, for League of Legends, um, and then we you know once... Baseball and basketball start back up. You're going to have those. They have contests where you can play in head-to-heads. You can create group contests. They also have you know major contests where you can get involved for $20, $25 and be playing for hundreds or thousands of dollars in prizes. I've gotten involved in, in plenty of these. Anytime I have a, a new site, I always want to play. I want to make sure that if I win, I can be able to withdraw my money and everything is on the up and up. They do a great job there, and they're offering you a little bonus for the That's What G Said listeners. So if you're someone who, you know, you're listening, you're a little bit interested, go check it out. You don't have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars. You can get involved for like 20 bucks in a lot of these contests. You can play in contests sometimes that are $2, $5. They have free roll contests that are just like they sound. They're free, and you win money right back if you win the contest. So check out Thrive Fantasy. Go right now, download Deposit 10 bucks, you get an instant $10 credit right back. So if you put 10 in, you'll have $20 in there. You can mess around, you can check it out. If you have any questions, let me know. ThriveFantasy.com, promo code GINO. That'll get you 10 bucks back on your first $10 bonus. Good luck there with Thrive Fantasy. Let's get into Wednesday horse racing. We're going to do best bets from Gulfstream, best bets from Indiana Grand, and then we'll get to the interview with Brian Aragoni where we go through the Canterbury Pick 5. So we'll kind of go in order of, uh, of you know post times and the way these races are going to flow. Uh, Gulfstream first. Uh, before we get in into the racing, though, you're listening to this racing part, so you're a racing fan. Go follow Stable Duel on Twitter or check out StableDuel.com. Download the Stable Duel app from your stores. They're going to be back up and running with the, the daily fantasy games. Remember that? We've had a couple times where we played in different Stable Duel contests. Well, they're on the way back. As soon as we have information, more information, we'll give it to you. But go follow right now on social media so that way you'll be ready to go as soon as they're in. We're going to talk about all those contests. We're going to break down lineups. We're going to give you all the information here on That's What G Said. But you want to be ahead of the game. So go give a look. To stable duel Gulfstream Park Past performance is out Wednesday, June the 24th Let's get to race number 1 For our first play And uh, I'm going to go to the 10 I do think the 6, 9, and 10 All very logical horses in here, right? The 9 probably has a pace advantage The 6 should get a really nice trip But I think with, with a horse like Cold Warrior Drawn to the inside Will maybe be forced a little bit And try to show more speed I think swinging on a star Has a little more speed Than what it really looks like on paper and you know the next best thing isn't going to be far out of it. And then the eleven uh, took a cab also has a little bit of speed. I think there's going to be enough pace. Throw the twelve in there, you're out of control to to set up for Wordman, who's going to have to come from off of it a little bit. He tried a mile last time out. He broke well, but so did a couple others. So he ended up taking back a little bit. Instead of being close up, he's back to sixth. He's too deep. He ends up like five lengths off. The top two. 
the finishers that day they were second and third throughout So there wasn't a whole lot of movement and passing going on Now you get the drop in class to the 12-5 level You get the cutback in distance Both of the sprints on the turf were pretty good And with just a little pace This guy will come running You'll get a little bit better value Because he didn't run that great last time going long Wordman with that race under his belt He had a couple months off Expect him to be better today If we can get around 7-2 to two, We'll make a win wager On the number 10 Wordman in race 1 at Gulfstream Let's get you to race number 5 For our second play It's going to be the number 8 Awesome Ella 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 Who's going to get back to the grass And You know this is a Florida bred Who was facing open company in Southern California For the first few starts of her career And she's really done little wrong When sprinting she broke You know a little bit slowly And she came running late She finished 4th in a big field And she was then the runner up In a maiden special weight Going long in the grass Then she was she was actually favorite And she didn't have the best of trips She wasn't beaten a whole lot it was Only beaten 3 lengths um, In December at Del Mar And then she comes back She hadn't raced from December to May the 28th she has a slow start in a small field in a race that's taken off the grass. She she ends up you know having to be fit. She's only a few lengths off, but she's three deep at the back of the pack. She's chasing a horse who ends up winning, going really slow on the front end. It was just a race that was against her, and she ran really well to finish second. She's been good against open company. This is a race against Florida Breads. She's run well going long on the turf She's never really run a bad race I think this is a great spot for awesome Ella You know the Chad Brown first time starter They're always going to take some money in here And Izu will also Take a little bit of money who wasn't too far behind Awesome Ella But I give the the lean to the 8 Who I think could be a single if you want to you know Play some early pick 5s or any kind of the early exotics That's the number 8 Awesome Ella If anything over 2 to 1 feels like value on uh, on Ella Let's go to race number 7 for our final play on the Wednesday Golfstream card Race number 7, for me it's all about the number 5 Colonist, who's going to take a big, big drop in class From $100,000 optional claimer In for these 35 beaten claimers I remember this horse from Southern California And he had some ability He, I think he still has a little bit of that ability too Just his last few races He comes off of a long layoff He hadn't raced from November of 2018 To April of 2020 He comes back in a tough spot at Gulfstream Park He's in a new barn He hooks a horse named Halliday Halliday who just gets to to cruise that day It's a race that that has already produced A couple next out winners Three next out winners The the first and second place finisher Both came back out of that race to win And the ninth place finisher Won an optional 62 non 2 Out of that field So it was a really loaded race Not an easy spot to return For your first race in You know a year and a half Then the next race On May the 24th Tries to get on the grass, it's taken off the turf You you keep in there in the slop Just put a line right through it, right? You're beating 20 lengths Now you get a big drop in class You take the blinkers off It's third start off the long layoff I can make excuses for those first two If there's anything left in here He's going to show it And he could win this race easily So if he's around 3 to If he's anything over 5 to 2 that seems very, very fair And maybe he's just not the same horse And and he doesn't show it here But if it, the key is the value For him, if he's 5-2 to two or so And over, play him he, he gets back to turf He's multiple graded stakes place on the turf You know, coming off that 18 month break He hooked that tough field And he's now going to go third off the long layoff He's ready for any improvement On the big drop And, and he wins this 
colonist. Make sure to use him in all of your exotics. And like I said, if we get five to two, let's make a win wager on him. Those are your three plays for Wednesday, June the 24th at Gulfstream Park. Let's get you over to Indy. Three plays for Indy. Indiana Grand Wednesday, June the 24th. Get your past performances out. We'll go to race number one for our first play. That's the number two, Portal Creek. Now, let's look at his la- her last few starts, right? She... Is well defeated Two back she's 5th, 3 back she's 3rd Prior to that she's beating 25 claimers Let's go to, to right around there And even back, let's go to Del Mar You know, she's she's in and competitive with 32 claimers So you can make an excuse for her On February the 6th Coming off the bench a little bit That was a race that was not um, a fast track put, an ex- put a line right through it Comes back on February the 27th Beats a group of 25 claimers At Oaklawn then steps up in a first-level allowance race and runs really, really well. If we got a repeat of the $25,000 claiming race, win in the Sadler Barn, or the first start for the new barn, that first-level allowance on March the 21st, either of those wins this race. Puts Portal Creek right there at a big, big price. I think she can sit the trip in here, cutting back a little bit. What I like is her tactical style. So... On April the 4th, she got caught in between horses. She was in tight, and there were a couple next out winners. That was in the slop that day. Excuses on that one. And last time out, she has a slow start, but she's only a couple lengths off of it early. She's chasing really fast fractions. They went sub-22 to the quarter. And she was a little bit wide. She's in between. That's a tougher group. Now you get a cutback. You get a, a drop in class. I think Portal Creek is going to sit a really nice trip in here. If we get anything around five to one, that's fair value on here. She's too high on the on the morning line. Five to one seems like the value line on the one on the number two Portal Creek in race number one at Indiana Grand on Wednesday. Let's get to race number six. We have three plays at Indiana Grand for Wednesday. Uh, race number six. It's going to be the five Naughty Alfred. Okay, let's go through his career now. He has raced eight times. Career debut, he wins at Churchill for 30. And then he's claimed for 30, and he stepped up, and he faces a lot tougher, right? He's facing first-level allowance company at Churchill um, a couple of different times. He has trouble in one of them. And then he has to face, you know, another first-level allowance group over at Oaklawn Park, or a, a tough group there. You know, a horse like Marvin was second next out that you see in there has, has been like a perennial... Contender in allow like deep allowance races, so that gives you an idea. Um, you see, you know, a bunch of next out winners like Strike That, New Colossus that have all come back well. So Naughty Alfred just coming out of deep, better races. Two times in his career, he was claimed for thirty, and then stepped up and took a shot against much tougher. It happened right after his maiden breaking score claimed. Try tougher, try tougher, try tougher. Then they drop back in, claimed for 30, and a newborn does the same thing. They take a couple shots with him against tougher. Doesn't run poorly on March the 5th at Oaklawn in a race that had a couple next out winners. You know, I mentioned New Colossus, who came out of that to win two out of three. The eighth place finisher won next out at Lone Star, won a 15 non winners of three lifetime. Tossed the races in the slop. You have even more excuses for him. You get the drop. He has speed. He can sit. He showed February the 16th 
Now that's the kind of race he can sit off the pace a little bit, but he has enough speed to put him in the mix. And he's what ends up happening in some of these races. I think because you're not quite as fast as a few others, that might be a blessing in disguise. You have a horse like Soul Song in here who's really really quick. Bump Bailey is pretty quick too. Um, a song for you is not exactly slow. I think Naughty Alfred could end up working out a trip right behind them. That's the number five, Naughty Alfred. Anything around 7-2, to two, we're going to make a win wager in race number 6 at Indiana Grand. Let's go to race number 8 at Indy for our final play of the Wednesday at Indy. It's going to be the number 1, Amazema. Okay, let's go back for the last couple starts. December the 20th. She's facing first level allowance company at Fairgrounds. Her last, so we're going to her last 3 starts. She has a fine start. She settles in about... Sixth, seventh, but she wasn't. She wasn't that far out of it. She's no more than four or five out. She's in between. She's two deep of three. Then she's three deep of four. She's waiting for room, but she was trapped behind horses. By the time she got an opening, it was much too late. She did not run poorly that day at all. She comes back on January the seventeenth in a race that had produced two next out winners. And one of the horses who actually finished second came back and finished second, but was put up to first um, after the horse who finished first, I think was DQ'd because of a positive test. Um, So on January the 17th, she settles in fourth or fifth. She's on the inside. She's three off. She's in the third flight. She moves nicely in between horses. She angles four deep down the stretch to get up for a good determined win. And then on February the 22nd, she had a fine start, but she gets hooked four wide and in between horses. She settles fourth. She's about three deep. The top of the lane, she moves up. She's within two. She angles out, but I think the wide trip ended up catching up with her. The horse who was second that day has won three of a four is a, a very sharp one. I think even half of her morning line, she she would be a, a good price. So anything around five to one seems fair. That's the number one in race number eight at Indiana Grand. So in the first, number two, Portal Creek, uh, the number in the sixth race, the number five, Naughty Alfred, and in the eighth, the number one, Amazema. We'll go to Canterbury now, and we're going to bring on Brian Aragoni. We talk with Brian about the Canterbury Wednesday late pick five, and then a little later on in the show, we're going to talk about the Canterbury Thursday pick five. Remember, if you're listening and you not if you've never played Canterbury, the reason why I'm talking about it a lot more, and we're going to be playing it on this show a bunch, it's a 10% takeout wager. As customers, as betters, that means we are getting more of our money back. We've kind of demanded this as horse players and betters for the you know tracks to lower the takeout. And so when a small track like this does, we really have to take notice. That's something that I love about Sam Houston with their low takeout and all the wagers. And so with a 10% pick five, let's get on over and talk to Brian Aragoni about the 10% pick five for Wednesday's Canterbury late pick five sequence. Well, as horse players, we all kind of gripe that one of the things that we want is we want lower takeout in, in horse racing. And you know what? One of those racetracks has been listening to us. They have put together a 10% takeout pick five each and every racing card. I'm talking about Canterbury Park over in Minnesota, a track that I had the privilege of uh, looking at quite a bit some years back when I was at TVG. And and I just love the fact that they they did this. They, they tried something similar uh, a few years ago, kind of lowering overall takeout. But I think right now is a perfect time to take another shot at doing something like this. So when we talk Canterbury, there is nobody better 
to talk about Canterbury than the man who is the on-track handicapper over at Canterbury. That is Brian Aragoni, who's going to join us today. We're going to talk a little bit overall, and then we're going to break down the Wednesday and the Thursday pick fives for June the 24th and June the 25th. Brian, thank you for joining us here on That's What G Said. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I think you laid it out beautifully with uh, horse players demanding and wanting that low takeout, and that's exactly what we've done with that 10% takeout. And so far, it's given back to the betters in a big way. Yeah, and it's it's fun. One thing I like about Canterbury, too, you know, we're talking about uh, a racetrack that isn't one of the big, big, huge racetracks, but as far as when we're talking about a smaller track, what I love, you get big barns, and you're not necessarily one of those tracks that that only has the dirt racing. I think when you mix that turf racing element in, you can really get big prices and big payouts throughout, and that's one thing that we've seen. I, I, I love Canterbury because as far as I've been playing and watching, They've been a track that has seemed to be very, hey, you know what? We're going to try some things over here. Maybe it's not one thing we're going to try or two things we're going to try and doesn't work this year, and then we'll tweak it and we'll go the other year. But as far as, I mean, races with mixed breeds, the two races on the one track, the lower takeout, they seem like a racetrack. I mean, even with Paul Allen calling the races, the the atmosphere on the, on the night racing when you have the crowds there. It seems like a racetrack that kind of gets it and really wants to try to make the fan experience a good one. Certainly. And this year is unique for us because we rely so much on our attendance. And, you know, with the pandemic, things have changed. So I really appreciate that 10% low takeout. You kind of touched on it in the opener that we tried it a few years ago with the low takeout across the board. And unfortunately, that year, it was just unique that we had such bad weather. It affected a lot of the field sizes which essentially affected the value. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been nice to, to try that for a little bit longer, but coming back to it now, we eliminated the jackpot pick five. We did add in a 20 cent jackpot pick six, but the 10% takeout pick five has really been the play all meet. And you touched on it with the turf uh, racing. Oftentimes we get some very big fields for our turf race. We're not sending five or six to the gate on the turf very often. And that's why there's so much value on our turf course. So, Ryan, let's, uh, before we get into the races for Wednesday and Thursday, let's talk a little bit about you. I, it feels like you just started over there, but what is it? This is already going to be like your sixth, fifth or sixth season, I think, doing this at, at least. So, how do you get into, um, in general, how do you become a racing fan? And then how did you get over at Canterbury doing what you're doing? Uh, so, you know, I was fortunate enough, like, like many of us, uh, to get into it by my father. I mean, my dad got me into it. He was at, Canterbury on opening day back when it was Canterbury Downs before it was Canterbury Park so he brought me out there ever since I was little in a stroller I think bought me my first racing form when I was 12 so it's a family thing for us Uh, no trainers or anything like that no horse people in um, my family at all but my dad simply was a better raised me as a better and I'm a gambler through and through and now I'm fortunate enough to take that gambling aspect and bring it to the paddock analysis which has been fun. And we're, uh, in all transparency, we're actually recording this even Tuesday morning before the Tuesday races go out. So I really appreciate the work uh, that you put in a little early for me because sometimes it's not easy talking about a couple cards in advance before the one's even gone. But we're, we like to do that here. Um, we can give people a little bit extra time to try to, to get the chance to download and listen for over the next couple of days because this, this conversation will probably be out like Tuesday evening. So uh, a big weekend, a big week of racing coming up at Canterbury because uh, this is going to be a week where you actually start next week, Brian, with an extra day of racing. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Monday through Thursday, live racing every day at 4.30. Certainly 
uh, going to be a grind for many people like myself that have a primary job or a main source of income as well. But when you do handicap ahead, it, it makes things a lot easier. But we're really excited to have Monday through Thursday. Our handle's been great. You know, we've been approaching $2 million in handle every single day, which has been awesome. And, you know, we talk a lot about the 10% pick, pick five takeout, uh, which has had usually around 100000 in handle. But our middle to late pick four has been excellent as well. There's been plenty of value there, averaging over 75000 in that middle pick four as well. So the betters have followed us to Monday through Thursday, and hopefully with this takeout, we can give back to them as well. Well, let's get right on into it. If uh, those of you who are going to be following along, playing with us, get your past performances out. We're going to be looking at Wednesday, June the 24th at Canterbury, and we're going to flip to race number four, which is a start of that 10% low takeout pick five. And then right off the bat, one of those grass races that we talk about, uh, we have a field of eight in here. But, you know, you look at this race and you have a horse who is going to take a good amount of money, always cool who has not raced since June of 2019 and doesn't really have a whole lot of speed, might be the kind of horse who you you can take a shot against or at least use with a couple others. Um, but he, he's come out of some good races. I think, you know, different directions to go in here. A live firster barn from the inside. You have Semi-Charm Day, who had a good race against Maiden Claimers at Fairgrounds. Where do you start in race number four? This is, this is a tough race. I Me, mean, you have to decide right off the bat, you know, if you're going to use the Lothenbach horses or if you're going to play against them. And always cool, you've got a $400,000 horse who off a year-long layoff, a lengthy layoff, comes back to Canterbury. And then you've got the first year in Malibu Jack, you know, 275000 by Malibu Moon, who had been training at Churchill Downs. I can't imagine um, their plan was to get their training in at Churchill that has plenty of you know, long maiden races on the turf and then to ship to Canterbury. So I'm going to try and take a stand actually against both those horses. I'm going to play Obi Ridge in the two and then JP Warrior for, for Beeler and Lori Beeler. I think these horses have experience over the turf course, um, come in a little bit more fit, should be ready to go. Tony Ringsdorf does an awesome job off of long layoffs. This one had a prep race on the dirt. I think you can toss that race on the dirt. Gets back on the turf where Winchester plays thoroughbreds. They strictly breed. Uh, for turf horses, and, and Jareth Loveberry navigates our turf course like an old pro. So I'm going to try and start with potentially a price in OB Ridge and JP Warrior on top and take a little bit of a stand against horses like Always Cool and Malibu Jack. Yeah, I think we see this first uh, leg of the the sequence pretty similar because the barn on the inside, you know, we talk about burn and the and and how they're really good overall, but not not with first time starters going sort of longer. Actually, over eight with first time starters going over seven furlongs is just kind of tricky to get a horse ready to fire this long. So I think yeah, if we're looking at who might be the best horses down the line, we might be looking at the one and the five. But as far as who are going to be the best horses to play in this race, I'm right with you. I think Abby Ridge is a horse you have to use. Um, I'm really like Sammy Charm Day in here too I think that February race at Fairgrounds Will translate very well to, to this group There were actually a couple next out winners that day Including a, a maiden special weight winner um, at, uh, at Louisiana Downs So we also had a couple next out winners uh, Last time out that went to, from that uh, Oak Lawn race that went on to win against the Maiden claiming level So I just think Semi-Charm Day is coming out of some productive races And you mentioned J.P. Warrior A good one too Who that that lone turf effort last year at Canterbury was not bad at all. The race has come back live. So for me, I kind of have two, seven, and then four. And then the, the big question mark is what do we do with the horse like the five? Always cool, but totally fine with taking swings against short priced horses, especially when you're playing these sequences every day, right? You can't just, they're the horses that, you, that you're going to be scared of sometimes that you just have to take a, a stand against. It's going to be better for you down the line. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on it with semi-charm day, you know, in the seven, three to one morning line. We'll see if that goes up or down. It is a horse going from the claiming ranks to maiden special weight. But uh, for those, and many of them are, are new to Canterbury, a trainer like Mac Robertson, he's in our Hall of Fame. Locally, he gets pounded at the windows. There's oftentimes not the value that's there, but the guy simply wins races. And then talking about Joel Burnt and Danny Velasquez or Ryakaberry, you know, a lot of people say don't handicap jockey trainer combinations and things like that. But I can tell you with confidence that Denny typically gets first call for Joel Burnt. Now, the numbers are a little bit misleading this year because Denny didn't ride at Canterbury last year, um, but he does get first call with Joel Burnt. And I think always cool. Uh, we'll outdo the first time starter down on the rail. We move to race number five here, uh, which is going to be six and a half furlongs. We have the uh, one of those uh, like hybrid claiming conditions where it's uh, three year olds and up, which have not won a race in twenty twenty, or which have never won four races. Um, I think another race. I mean, what's great is just you know vulnerable favorites beating favorites. I don't think you know you look at a field like this. Fayette Warrior is coming out of a lot better. He has won at six and a half on the grass. Um, and he did have maybe a legitimate excuse last time out. He faced a horse who was dropping out of first level allowance and basically just one gate to wire and unleash the beast. So I think this is a much better spot for him. But there are a couple others they could use. I I take a strong look to the four handsome John. I think the eight's a little bit interesting. Um, where do you start in race number five? It's tough. I think the race goes through Fant Warrior. Um, you know, I had heard that a lot of these Danny Caldwell Villafranco horses pretty much entered, you know, right off the trailer. They got here and they went right to the racetrack. I think many of them this week so far with what I've seen are taking a dropping class, should improve second start um, over the track. And I expect that from Fayette Warrior, who I think could be tough in here. Maybe on one of my tickets, I'd take a stand in mm-hmm. here and try and single. Uh, other than that, I think you got to look at both the eight and the five, blue jeans and beer, a horse who loves Canterbury Park. Uh, six and a half furlongs should fit this horse perfectly has a tracking style uh, that's versatile, four wins over the track. And then Cyclone Dan, a lot of the same reasons for Fayette Warrior, second time over the track. I expect this one to improve in a big way. That's a good point on the uh, the Caldwell horses too. So maybe something to expect is they're kind of like figuring out where they fit on the circuit. You know, it's like some of them maybe t- took a shot against a little too tough or maybe a race they needed and they're kind of figuring out. Because, you know, we see that's going to be one thing that's a little – Different this year too is that What's been going on the last couple months With with you know so many Of these racetracks that have been closed down The levels of the races at You know places like um, Fawner, Will Rogers and Oaklawn I mean we, we had some really Deep really tough races so We're all going to kind of be sort of Guinea pigs when we're working out how these horses Come out of those races where they fit on a new Circuit like Canterbury here because we, I mean you see horses that are coming out Of some races here even some of these like low level Claimers and those races were Way deeper than they normally were Because there were no other tracks running Absolutely and, and you know it, It's bigger than just horse racing and gambling In general but you talk about the Pandemic unemployment things like that Some of these owners are, are challenging other people To take a stand and, and mm-hmm. claim horses Great point. There's a reluctancy to claim horses And add to your barn right now so If they can drop in class get a purse And keep their horse what a win Yeah you meant so Fayette Warrior Kind of the horse you have to start with in the fifth um, Handsome John is the other one I think if you Toss the turf um, I would Give a big long look to and then you also mentioned blue jeans And beer wouldn't be shocked if this one breaks A lot better and is right on the lead Or sitting very close from the outside um, Yeah I think the race will, will kind of go through Fayette Warrior There in that fifth um, Race number six we go back To the grass here seven and a half furlongs On the turf 
We have uh, three year olds and up which have not won a race in 2020 or which have never won four. And just from a you know a, a price standpoint, this race kind of feels like there might be you know th- three, maybe even four horses that could kind of battle and, and all be similar prices. I thought the six ten speed. You're going to see a lot more of these Carl Broberg in zone athletic horses that come in. They're always live. I'm an eight. Um, has some some really nice turf form to call back on. What's wrong with the one a horse like Broken Key, who's also coming out of better? So I think you know you start with a couple of them. Buy me a bond towards the outside. He's been in some really really tough races. Another one that just like you said with these grass races, you know you have a field of ten here and many ways to go. Yeah, uh, w- this is a cool race. I mean, this is what makes our game so great. You've got some very salty salty claimers in here and some horses that have been going at it for a long time down on the rail. You've got the 10-year-old in Broken Key, and then on the outside, Born Force, the 11-year-old, making career start number 79, and Buy Me a Bond, uh, who's a horse that I'm all too familiar with, always seems to run into a troubled trip, needed that horse many a times, <laughs> and settled for less, a lot. Uh, this, is, this is the hardest race in the sequence. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yep. It, it's a race that you either spread super deep or take a stand. On one of my tickets, I'm going to go as deep as I possibly can. On the other ticket, I'm going to single Broken Key. Um, the 10-year-old, yeah, doesn't love to win races. In fact, only won one race last year. But back in his heyday, you know, he, this horse was a complete monster. And on his best day, he certainly can beat this bunch. The thing I like and the thing that stands out to me is this is one of Gary Shearer's favorite horse. I think of those 50 starts, more than 30 of them or 35 of them have been under Gary Shearer claims the 10 year old back you don't see many 10 year olds get claimed but then you know when he owns and trains you don't have to worry about those training fees mm-hmm. or anything like that so gives the horse a layoff comes back fit the three workouts that are shown are slow but i can trust that he's got the 10 year old on his a game in a reasonable spot and also not eligible to be claimed in here so broken key going to be a single on one of my tickets I'm going to do the same thing on one, too. I think it's a great spot for Broken Key to save all the ground from the inside and come rolling in here, too. And you look at the way this race is going to shape up, I think, on on paper for a horse who's going to be able to, to sit and make one late run. You have a horse like Outrun the Posse stretching out who's going to be close. You have Power Cry who's going to show some speed. You have 10 Speed who's going to show some speed. I'm an 8 is not exactly slow. They have the option to be right on the front end if they have to. I think it's going to set up very well for Broken Key to just save all the ground and come running. I think I'm going to do almost exactly what you said. One ticket, I'll be singling. One ticket, I'll I'll spread out. The the one price horse I will use on a couple tickets is is the two scattered cash who you know just the just getting back to a, a jockey trainer combo where they have a, had a ton of success. This is a horse who last time we saw at Canterbury was rattling off a couple wins on the grass against open seventy five hundred dollar claimers. So not a, not a consistent. Worse necessarily, but a feast or famine one that at a price might be good to use in at least maybe one or, or two of your backup pick five tickets, however you're approaching it. But it, it looks like Broken Key is going to be that real maybe key horse for you and I in this sequence. We'll both try to play at least one ticket where we can can single in on the one in uh, in race number six. And we get to race number seven. Here we have uh, 10,000 claimers, Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up, never won two races, or Minnesota Breds, which have never won three. They're going to be traveling a mile uh, on the main track here. So where uh, where do you start? Who are some of your top-tier horses in this one? I mean, the, I think the four and the five are going to take a lot, a lot of money in here. I'm going to actually try and beat both of them. I have my question marks with Slingshot Mistress and, and Hush Y'all, another horse who's one for 17, two to one in my opinion, doesn't provide much value for Kelsey Harn, Robert Klein. 
I'm going to try the, the inside runners and Lila's lucky lady and summer loving, uh, knowing that we raced today on Tuesday, Lila's lucky lady was double entered. They choose this spot. All the wins have come shorter, but they ultimately think that uh, she's a two turn horse. She should love the stretch out. has been running consistently uh, at Will Rogers Downs, who had a tougher meet this year. Lila's lucky lady going to be a play for me with Arietta and then a horse like summer loving always seems to find trouble every single start up and down the running line going back to last year always finds trouble had a sneaky amount of it last time but it's a subtle drop in class and not many people are going to catch this one but actually took on the boys last time out gets back in with the Phillies in here had a decent run after some traffic trouble early and if they can avoid trouble I think summer loving could be an overlay at that price yeah, I think you mentioned, um, you know, all the the real horses to to think about including, or depending on who you know how you're approaching your ticket to include. Uh, I think maybe the only one that I, I maybe will use on a ticket where I single um, in the sixth, I could throw in a horse like the seven Scylla, who has a little bit of speed and maybe he could just kind of fall into a good spot. I think the horse to beat is the one. Um, Lila's lucky lady. I really do. You just get back to Canterbury. This is a really good spot. You're gonna go third off the long layoff. You get the inside draw. I, I'm looking at that race. Back in in July, that just kind of stands out to me, and and I'm thinking a similar type race where you can just sit a couple lengths from the inside, stretching back out from five and a half to a mile. I just don't think she's going to be far out of it throughout. You're going to have a really good pilot all the way through. So to me, um, I think the two horses that I'll I'll probably play different tickets where I single will probably be in the in these back to back races where um, with the uh, the one broken key in race number six and then the the one Lila's lucky lady I think these are two of my favorite horses in the sequence that I'll probably try to build different tickets around I think you hit on the other horses in here to use uh, definitely Summer Lovin who's just been super unlucky uh, Hush Y'all makes a lot of sense gonna come closing but um, with that running style. Um, you, you know, maybe this is a race where you just want a little bit more from a value standpoint. The the four obviously makes some sense a, a little bit too, but um, yeah, for me, I'll, I'll kind of maybe take a stand here uh, with the with the one Lila's lucky lady and um and maybe play another spread ticket. Uh, as we get to the closeout leg, we get to race number eight. We're gonna go a mile and sixteenth on the turf course in here. And um, if if we're four for four and and going into this eighth race, how deep do you think you need to be to close this out? Well, I mean, you and I seem to be pretty spot on with him. Yeah, we do. We like a lot mm-hmm. of the same horses, so I gotta, I gotta reverse this one on you and ask you how you're gonna play this last okay. first, so I don't take all your bits. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll probably have my my four, six, seven, eight are the horses that I have, and 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 I'll use those combinations in a couple different spots. I do think the four golden scepter, scepter, adding the blinks, getting back to the turf. I think you can put a line through that last race when it was on the grass, just completely cross it out. I mean, last time we saw this guy on the grass, he was breaking his maiden at Turf Paradise. I I think he's a price horse to include. I definitely respect the eight who's coming in from Gulfstream Park for uh, a very, very good barn. So I, I think you, you probably want to include him in some of your tickets. And then I think the six and the seven would, would probably be the other two um, in, in a race that's damn wide open. I'm not even leaving. You know, I'm, I'm not even talking about the five Chatterman who I wouldn't really talk you off. But the six Irish Major comes off of that, that race at Tampa. And I love when some of these horses can get that first prep out of the uh, out of the way, kind of under their belt, they may have a little bit of a fitness advantage late on some of the horses who you know haven't raced in, since maybe early 2020 or even you know late 2019. So Irish Major is is a one of the must use horses. I know he doesn't win a whole ton, but he seems like this is a good fit, a really good spot for him in here. So for me, four, six, seven, eight would be the horses. I mean, I would I would definitely make sure to to let people do know to include the six on some tickets. Irish Major. Yeah, I mean, this this is a tough race and a, and a race that would be fun to be live uh, going into it and be deep. 
you know, fairness and wagering. I used to own Mason Skyline. So the first time I ever owned a horse, it was Mason nice. Skyline comes back in this race. The new connections have done an awesome job with him. He's a cool horse, as friendly as they come. They made 30000 You know, at the end of it, it looked like something went amiss, but they gave the horse a layoff. Leandro Gonzalez and Valerie Lund team up in here. I think Mesa Skyline, if right, can be ready to run. I see the same thing with Irish Major. This horse is never going to go off at 6-1, to one, mm-hmm. second off the layoff, coming in from Tampa. Now, how did you see the pace playing out? Because I thought long and hard about Skippy's strike on top, potentially lone speed. But Pine Grove Road kind of affected that lone speed. And that's speed that's and, and and that's the reason why I like Golden Scepter a little bit. I think might be able to sit the trip maybe right behind them, or have at least enough speed to kind of be in the mix with them. That that's kind of where where I was I was leaning against Pine Grove Road for that reason. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'm not talking anybody off of of using a horse who's going to be in the mix and, and would figure, but I kind of see the two and the three maybe hooking up a little bit, and hopefully the 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 four can maybe just work out a trip right behind the the two of them. Um, I think I think the the six Irish major like a repeat of that effort with that kind of a style should end up putting him in a perfect spot. That's just the concern with the eight is just the you know maybe having to come from too far out of it. But um, I'm with you, you know, Pine Grove Road, I wouldn't talk anybody off of. And, and in particular, Skippy Strike, that's the one that you mentioned that might even be able to kind of sneak away. Maybe maybe the three and the four end up sitting a little bit. And if Skippy sneaks away, that would be a nice horse to be closing with. Absolutely. At 10-1, you've got the Hall of Fame rider. I don't know how the horse will react to blinkers off, but if they've had the blinkers off in the morning, you know, those workouts are consistent, they're fast, um, and you get a Hall of Fame rider who could be loose on the lead if Pine Grove Road opts to sit off of it. Okay, so a uh, couple of overall final thoughts on Wednesday. Um, you know, in, in leg one for me, I kind of have the uh, the two and the seven as uh, my top tier horses and my must use horses in the pick five sequence. And when I go to the the second leg of the sequence for me, I think it was it was four eight as my must use horses: Blue Jeans and Beer and Handsome John. Uh, we talked about race number six as as you know a race for Broken Key for me. The seventh, Lila's Lucky Lady, is a is an absolute must use and then I'd probably need to to use those four at least in the last four six seven eight I really did think that was a tough and maybe even a race where uh, a sequence I'll play a pick five where I can maybe key in on broken key key in on Lila's lucky lady and it'd be nice to be able to press that all button in the last so from from talking to you it sounds like you always or you like to have the kind of approach where you play a couple different tickets as well yeah, absolutely. I'm a big advocate. It's a little easier with pick fours than it is with pick five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trying to play, you know, two tickets, and if you get the three races right, where you have the exact same horses, I use all three, or on both tickets, I'll use the same horses, and then two races, I'll single one and go deep in the other. And more often than not, you're actually cheering against your second ticket if you get your <laughs> single yep. home in the first leg. Yep. So. uh Give us some, you know, some of the real important. You know, you kind of mentioned them throughout, but some of the the must use horses for you and like real important horses to to make sure to include on Wednesday. Absolutely, and I see it similar to you. You know, there's a few horses that I'm going to try and take a stand against and beat, but uh, one of my tickets will go through Fayette Warrior in race number five, and then Broken Key in race number six. Those are going to be kind of my two keys to the sequence. I do think you have some vulnerable favorites later on, um, with some others in there in race number seven. You've got Slingshot Mission, Hush Y'all. Uh, one for 17 with the bug uh, in the saddle who had a nice meet at Oakland. Only one workout to show. Hushaw is going to be a play against for me. And then in the last race, I think that Pine Grove Road off of a long layoff is, is definitely a spread race in there. Not sure what to make of off the meds. Three to one. 
coming in from Ian Wilkes Barnes and Gulfstream Park will take plenty of wagering action, but more more so play against for me versus horses that I absolutely love. I will single um, broken key on one ticket for sure and what could be a wide open race. Brian, um, I'm going to split up our conversation because we're going to talk about Wednesday and Thursday. So I'm going to split it up into each day. That way, people are just maybe playing Wednesday. They'll hear the Wednesday stuff. Or if they're playing Thursday, they'll hear the Thursday stuff. So give us uh, some of your uh, your plugs. Where can we find you online, social media, if we want to follow along? Um, and give us a little reminder what's the schedule and the post times out there uh, and everything going on over at Canterbury. Yeah, so this week we'll go Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4.30. Our pick five is usually the last thoroughbred um, five races. We are a mixed meet, so you want to pay attention to uh, what races as they'll adjust depending on how many quarter horses we have at at the end of the night. Um, But next week we'll start Monday through Thursday at 4.30. Again, the 10% takeout, big advocate uh, for the pick fours as well. You can follow me on Twitter. All my picks will be up on Twitter. Some videos about Canterbury Park and some inside tips. If you're new to Canterbury, we want to welcome you. And also some things that you, you just won't know if you're not playing it consistently. So you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. B underscore CBY analyst. And I'll try and post as many picks um, and things to help you make money on Twitter as I can. Brian, thank you very much. We're going to just pause this for a second and uh, hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with uh, with Brian talking some Thursday racing in just a moment. So don't go anywhere on That's What G Said. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino, besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, And uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com, or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. 
Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Big thank you to Brian for talking some Canterbury with us. You're going to hear him again in just a few minutes talking Thursday Canterbury. Let me give you just kind of a one or two approaches at the pick five that I'm looking at. So if you're looking for maybe like a smaller, more affordable ticket, um, maybe you start in race number four with two seven, with two four eight, with one two six seven, with one, with four six seven eight. Uh, we'll also play. Um, you know, I, I like closing with four six seven eight. Um, I would. You know, look between singling the one broken key in the sixth or the one Lila's lucky lady in the seventh. How I'm approaching the ticket, um, I, I make sure to use the the seven cha- uh, semi charm day. I would even be okay maybe singling in the fourth right off the bat. Um, in the fifth, the eight blue jeans and beer, handsome John or must uses on my ticket. So I generally play three or four different tickets. Uh, I'll always try to play one maybe where I start with all and then one where I end with all. And in this case, you know, I, I could do that with uh, a couple of singles in the middle. So best of luck on Wednesday at Canterbury Let's get you over to Thursday And let's start with Belmont Park for Thursday Four plays for Thursday, June the 25th at Belmont Park We will begin in race number one Get those past performances out Six furlong turf sprint for New York bred maiden 40s These are Phillies and Mayors, three-year-olds and up And I'm going to go to the outside with greats so he, she's three uh, She's three races into her career This will be career start number four And she's now going to drop into the maiden Claiming ranks for the first time She hasn't really been completely overmatched Against maiden special weights But this feels like a drop that will really Really help her out So she tried dirt in her first two starts And that was back in December, 19, uh, December of 2019 And then February of 2020 And she was off for a few months She came back on June the, tw- uh, June the 4th And she went 6 furlongs on the turf So first time on the grass She she was able to sit close And show a little tactical speed But she ended up tiring And, and didn't finish that day She should be able to use that speed Because she broke pretty well to secure a good start from the outside I mean she was right with the leaders She was second and she was just off And then she tired and she ends up backing up So now you're going to drop You're going to go second time on the grass You're, you're going to go second start off the bench You should be a little more fit today And I think with the outside draw Sometimes it's the same with the inside draw We think of it as a negative all the time And a lot of times it is right Because you're going to lose a bunch of ground Or from the inside you're going to get in trouble You're going to get shuffled But in particular cases with certain particular horses And I'm I'm thinking this might be one of them If the, the plan has to be with greats Okay we're drawn to the outside Let's get aggressive And that doesn't necessarily mean We're going to go gun to the lead But let's break really really well And we can get over and maybe Tuck in and sit in a good spot Because there are a couple other speeds in here Love Me Tomorrow is quick Um, The Fousey is not exactly slow Uh, Midnight Banker has speed You know there's there's other speeds in here But I I think this outside draw May help greats have to get into a, A nice close position early A little more on the drop Second time off the bench Second time on the grass That's the number 11 greats If we can get around 3 to 1 We'll make a win wager In race number 1 at Belmont on Thursday Let's go to the 4th at Belmont 
And we're going to go to the number 8 Siding Spring Again, Trip will be really important with this one So I don't want to take any lower than 3-1 to one on Siding Spring I feel like this is a great spot for him He's a pace factor and he's drawn well He can sit off and pass horses if need be And I think that's going to have to be the case in here today He'll probably have to sit 3rd There were a couple quick horses down towards the inside um, Abiding Star is pretty quick Musical Heart is pretty quick too Wouldn't be any shock if he's very very close to the lead So that may end up putting Siding Spring in third Which is fine He's ultra consistent on the grass He just has to make sure he doesn't get caught up too much In an early pace battle And he has to try to relax a bit early But you get a good run for your money with him Because he's going to be forwardly placed And he's going to be in the mix throughout Let's hope he can sit third And not get caught up in you know the three way battle That's in race number 4 That's the number 8 Siding Spring If we can get 3 to 1 That's worthy of a win wager Make sure to use in all of your exotics Let's get to race number 6 And I'm going to go to the 4 in here Holmdale Park So you know you go through this filly's career She hasn't done a whole lot wrong She's been on the grass a couple times Both of those were sprinting She's actually faced Stakes Company a couple times Maybe a little overmatched against against them And you can make excuses for those She just was in a little bit too tough facing Stakes Company So she On January the 20th Showed us that she can go a mile on the main track When she did so at Aqueduct And she was third And she didn't run that poorly Behind Ice Princess Who came right back out of that race To win her next start Holmdale Park Last out Sprinting on the grass This was on June the 5th She drew post 11 She was 8th, 9th early on She was not that far out of it Only about 5 or 6 lengths off But she was in the 2 path So you're you know, towards the back of the pack You're wide She angles out about 4 or 5 wide in the stretch She sort of got pushed in a little bit But she closed Pretty. She got pushed in by the eventual winner Who kind of blew by her And beat her to a spot She closed pretty well And if she if she had a, a smoother journey late She would have been third Which would have looked uh, even better on paper Now you're going to go second off the bench You're going to stretch back out You're going to get back to the dirt And she should be sitting much much closer in here Homedale Park, the number 4 If we can get anything around 3-1 to one, We'll make a win major Make sure to use in all of your exotics Let's get to the stakes race It's in race number 8 It is the easy goer And we have a group of uh, of 6 3 year olds lining up in here I look at the one Celtic striker From the inside I think his plan has got to be to show speed That's how he's going to be successful He'll be right on the lead Casino Grande He's raced twice He sat off the pace a little bit last time out But he wasn't far off and he's not exactly slow He went gate to wire in his debut I think he's going to be Close up and forwardly placed in here Prodigious Bay Speed faded a little bit last time out He has shown speed And tactical speed in all of his starts I think he's going to be right on the lead And very close to it So we have already Celtic Striker Casino Grande and and Prodigious Bay I think the three of them are all going to be close up And I think they're all going to hurt each other's chances Of winning this race Then who are the next horses that we look to Okay, it would be informative, sauna man, and toy, right? Well, informative is not in the greatest of, of form right now. And I don't know if he is quite good enough to beat this group. Sauna man, I think he's good enough. But with his running style, he might be a little bit too far back. I wouldn't be shocked if they go quick early in here if he gets outrun a little. To me, it feels like the horse who is going to sit a perfect trip, 
Is the horse to the outside That's the number 6 toy He's looking for his third win in a row He's, you know, people see that he started for a maiden claiming tag And I think sometimes you'll think he's a little too cheap you know, or, or not quite the quality to beat a group like this And and maybe down the road he's not going to be as good of a three-year-old as these But in this small field, the way this race shapes up He really should get a great trip Last time out, he was close up But he was, uh, you know, he's in between horses He's like fourth and fifth, fourth or fifth But he's only three lengths off at the most He held his position really nicely in some tight quarters Then he got a slight shuffle He angles to the two-path And he just loaded And he had to try to alter course a few different times He's looking for room He finally got a little clearance late Down the middle of the racetrack Toy He feels like he's going to sit a great trip in here He's sharp, he's on the improve He's progressing and taking steps forward I like where he's drawn With the way this race sets up That's the number 6, Toy Make sure to use him in all of your exotics Let's make a win wager If he's anything over 7-2 to Like if he's 4-1 to Anything above that seems... Like a nice price on toy So the Thursday Belmont uh, Race number 1, the 11 greats Race number 4, the 8 siding spring Race number 6, the 4, Holmdale Park And in race number 8, the 6, toy Let's get you to Churchill Downs now And over at Churchill Downs We have an interview with Chris Tivnin Who's going to be uh, joining us for the first time on That's What G Said As we go race by race Thursday, Churchill Downs, we introduce Chris to you And then we go uh, through every race For the Churchill Downs Thursday card Good luck, kick back, and enjoy Very excited to have a couple of first-time guests On this episode of That's What G Said You just heard from Ryan Aragoni Talking some Canterbury racing Now we're going to talk some Thursday racing And we're going to be talking about racing from June the 25th to join us to break down the Churchill card for Thursday on a big Churchill week, closing week. They have a ton of stakes races on Saturday, the end of what's been a, a very successful quick meet for them. We have Chris Tivman joining us. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Gino. How's it going, buddy? Doing very well. Chris, uh, someone that I've uh, gotten to know uh, over on social media as of late, lots of interactions Um uh, and uh, we've gone back and forth and, and talked about uh, one day uh, bringing him on and, and hammering out some races. So, Chris, before we get into the Thursday card, which is going to be our focus, let's talk a little bit about you. Let's introduce you. Who are you? Uh, how do you get into horse racing? Give the folks out there a little background. All right. Well, I'm a Louisville guy. Um, been around the track my whole life. My dad and his dad were big horse racing people. Uh, I've been to the Derby every single one since I was probably nice. five or six years old. Yeah, and there's been a member of the Tivnan clan at Derby since I want to say like 1950. Great. So, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, me and my dad have been going. You know, we drank those $14 beers out there and, and <laughs> had a good time. But, uh, yeah, it's been a great meet so far. Uh, the worst weather we've had was on Father's Day. Um, that's so key. That's so key. Yeah, especially at yeah. a time like this when it could go either way, right? This is like a time of the year when some some meets, especially when it's short and everything got backed up. They've been really lucky. They and and being where they're located at Churchill at a time like this of the year, um, being in in you know the middle and, and kind of in the Midwest there when so many tracks on both sides of the country were you know in limbo. They were able to to and you know like Oaklawn was getting those really big fields, but with Churchill you have the grass racing too. So they were really able to capitalize, especially those first couple weeks of Churchill. Man, we saw some allowance races that were deeper than grid stakes races. 
Oh, when they when they announced just even the opening day when they announced the first two cards, I mean the excitement was unbelievable, and it was it was just so nice to see the familiar paddock back on TV, even though we couldn't be out there. Um, just so looking forward to having a track that I know in comparison to, you know, you know, you've been betting these tracks that you never heard of or less familiar with. So it's nice to be back for sure. Yeah. We, we, we got a lot of honor. Will Rogers, a lot of people were playing some tracks. Yeah. That they hadn't played a whole lot of during that time period. And, uh, and then once Churchill came back, they really, really benefited with some, some big fields and, um, a good closing week. We kick off with the, the Thursday card. So let's get right on into Thursday handicapping for those of you out there Get your past performances out we're going to go right To Thursday June the 25th we're going to go Right to race number one at Churchill and We'll go a little race by race we'll each give some Thoughts on uh, on the fields and, and uh, You know some of our selections for each One so we kick things off with a Group of maiden claimers $75,000 They're going to go seven furlongs here These are Phillies and Mayors three year olds End up there You know it, it, this isn't an easy race To start Chris there are probably you know, four or five horses you can make a legitimate case for. I mean, the five inside horses you, you'd imagine will probably all take some money. The one, our secret agent, is going to take a lot of money. Um, I thought hands up also, you know, makes a lot of sense, but I couldn't really get to the outside couple myself. I don't know um, how you saw this race, but to me, this wasn't a race that it, that was maybe um, going to be a race where I think. We're going to have an overwhelming favorite Any of the, maybe the four inside horses Could take money, it wouldn't really shock me Who do you start with here? Well, exactly what you just said I don't I don't think you want to take any of these horses To prom But um, I landed on the number two Better with age Simply based on the distance Experience here um, Maybe we switch To the dirt, we like it I don't know, the the one and the four, I can see where they're going to take some money, um, but overall, I, I like the two. You're getting you're getting uh, the kid T. Gaff, who's having a great meet. I mean, the guy's been unbelievable um, on the dirt and on the turf here. So I, I would I would select the two here. Yeah, he's been riding as well as anyone. That's uh, that's better with age, and I think you're right. I, for me, I lean slightly towards the four. Uh, hands up for a, a couple reasons. She. If you go through her races, she's actually come out of some pretty decent races in her debut race. There were a couple next out winners, a couple horses that were made in special weight winners next out. So it was a really strong debut race. And she's she's been pretty good in her last couple starts. She tried the grass two starts back against a little bit better. And and then most recently on May the 30th, she was a step slow and then she took a few strides to get going. I I think because of the slow start she ends up getting forced Into a kind of a tough spot in a tight Spot she was in behind horses she ended Up being probably in the third flight of horses Instead of the second flight and that may have Been the difference between getting a lot Closer she probably was going to win that race but she Might have been able to finish a lot closer when second Um I think she I prefer her I guess of the of the Four horses here so for me it's hands up to Start um again wouldn't be shocked to see Any of the inside horses uh, run well in here Um obviously our secret agent Could be my concern maybe She's the lone speed but with Chris What's nice with better with age is You, you get a filly who gets another opportunity You know that seven furlongs to a mile Is a, a distance that should be no problem For better with age so yeah a couple different Ways to go uh, Wellington Wonder we'll see if she can try to um, Replicate the debut performance In September but mm-hmm. she was second That day but she was 70 to one and then she didn't Come back and run well although if you look at who She ran into in her second start it was Swiss Skydiver who's come back to become right. Quite a nice filly so maybe some mixed signals With her 
there um, in that opener, but uh, not yeah, not the easiest opener uh, on Thursday to get things started in race number one. Uh, let's get to the second race, and you know I think when you're handicapping this race, you probably have to look at it and say, okay, Tom Amos obviously has a very strong hand in here. Right. I think the key to this race, really, Chris, is where are we going to get the speed from? And if the very hot riding Tyler Gaffleon, as you mentioned, if he can get a little bit aggressive with this filly down on the inside, she's been facing some really, really nice ones. If she gets the lead, she could be tough in here. Yeah, and like you say about the Tom Amos horses, obviously we have Gone Glimmering and then uh, Magine in here. I'm going to lean towards Magine, or however you want to say it, the six horse. Um, the James Graham, Tom Amos on the lead has been a really good um, winning or at least place and show for me at Churchill this year. And this is a race where he has a horse with a little bit of speed. If you go back to that December 19th, he was very close, ended up winning by three with James Graham at $30,000 claimer. I think that's the trip you want from the six. Um, and that's where I would lean on with the seven, who I don't know if you like the seven at all, but I find the seven very interesting. And I think he could float up a little bit. Yeah, you look at West Bank Baby, she comes out of that race behind Casual, who was really good. And then just because Casual didn't come back in, in that gay mean race, we, I think sometimes we'll, people will see Casual and say, oh, well, she just got beat. She was just got beat by a really tough filly in a, in a much better spot, too. West Bank Baby is, is interesting. Yeah, I think the. I guess I can't really get too outside the box in here either. For me, it would be, you know, the the two outside horses, the two inside horses. Persian Queen would be the other one that maybe I would slightly lean towards. She's another one that's coming out of uh, the casual race. And I think that she got the race under her belt, just like West Bank Baby did last time, got the little prep off the bench. I think this is going to be a trip that's actually going to fit well for her. And you mentioned with Majin going back and looking at a race that you hope she could, you know, she could work out a trip just like that December race. I'm hoping Persian Queen can go back and work out a trip like that October race at Keelan, where she sat third, not too far out of it. And that kind of a trip would, would go a long way in here. So, yeah, I mean... Tough races in the first two, but nothing too crazy as far as um, getting a, a, a big price. I think I can find one a little bit more in the third, Chris, as we turn to race number three. Uh, one horse I, I'm going to have to mention to let people know to use in your early pick fives or pick fours or however you're playing these uh, these races at Churchill. Uh, I like the five a little in race number three, Stroll in the Bayou. I think she gets the uh, – with her running style – She's going to be able to get a jump on one of the deep closers, maybe like Zabava in here. And mm-hmm. it looks like with Foxtail, who's pretty quick, I think Diamond Coat is pretty quick. I think it's going to be a stroll in the bayou sitting maybe fourth or fifth in here at a really nice price, getting a jump. She's going to go second start off the short little break. She gets back to the grass where she's run well. She's really run well on, on all services. She's pretty consistent overall. So for me, I'm going to make sure I use stroll in the bayou in some of the exotics. Who are some of the horses that you need to use in the third? Well, and that's exactly right. You could go with, I think, the two, who's yep. an interesting horse, obviously. Uh, we've got four wins in a row. Uh, what happens when you come into Churchill, I don't know. But I would, no way I wouldn't use that horse on my pick four, pick fives. I'm going to take a shot in here. Um, this is going to be my first shot of the day. I'm going to go with the four Dutch treat. There we go. I like it. I like it. Um, You look back at that, which I'm hoping is going to be a long shot anniversary here. Um, When actually he was about three, four to one that day, you go back to June 21st on the turf. It's the last turf start kind of around this time of year, ran second by head, almost won the race, kind of got caught there. But in these turf races, 
this horse to me is pretty versatile. It looks like he can sit off, kind of sit mid pack, or if you know nobody's up there on the lead, we can we can sit a little closer. But Bejarano has been hot. Um, this just seems like one of those races where it might seem obvious, like okay, I'm gonna take a couple of the lower priced horses. But to me, this is a race where I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a shot with the four Dutch Street. I just I just think that fifteen to one is is probably gonna float up. Hopefully. We got, um, you know, Mad Grace is one who you mentioned might be able to sit very nicely. A horse who uh, just loves to win races. She's won the last couple times we've seen her on the grass. You have uh, Zababa who will, you know, draw back and come running. Diamond Coat will be probably part of the pace. And then Holly Golightly could have worked out a trip from the inside. Many directions to go. And in a wide open race like that, that's the best race to lean towards prices, which is what Chris and I are going to do in this race number three. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of look towards the four and the five as top selection horses to make sure to use in, in some of your exotics. Um, I thought the fourth race was in, in the early pick five. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pr- try to play at least one ticket where I go all honestly, oh, no doubt. No because doubt. there's just the yep. field of seven here that you can make cases for and against every one of them. I don't even know if we're going to have a horse in this field that's double digit odds and it'll be one of those races where any one of three or four different horses could go favoriting here. So no real strong opinion for me honestly. I could see many things happening. Do you have a strong opinion in this race? Well, I have a strong opinion about two that I think are similar okay. which is the 5 Galindo and the 3 Marshall Eagle. Um I think that the 20,000 level fits for both of these. Uh, especially for the three, I think the rider upgrade, I think Miguel Mann is a fantastic rider. I like Angel Montano, the trainer. I wouldn't be surprised if he won. I'm going to, out of those two, I see as a similar, my top pick in here, I'm going to kind of cop out and go back to the kid, but I'm going number two, Holy Muchacho for Kenny McPeak. Um, I like the drop, you know, continuing to drop to 20. He kind of ran at the thirties back to the twenties. And I think, you get Gaffley on again. He's been on this horse recently. This horse is staying at Churchill. He didn't have crazy good work, but he had a nice work coming out of that June 4th race. I think he fits as much as anybody. A race where I have no strong opinion. Look to uh, two, three, and five as some of the horses um, for Chris in race number four. Uh, we get to race number five, Chris. And I think this will probably be one of my, my stronger opinions. Um, I don't think there's a whole ton of speed in this race, and I think it's no. a there's a big opportunity that Bejarano can steal this race with Absolutely. Bucky. Um, Bucky, you know, he he looks like he sat third. He did though, but it was a really quick race he was coming out of. He was not far out of a quick, quick pace where they went um, sub twenty two. He just couldn't go on again with them. That was his first start in a few months. That was against maiden fifties. Now you take another drop in here. You're facing a the maiden thirty level, and you got that race under your belt. I think Bucky has a major opportunity to try to steal this race. And then you got the class dropper of the nine, Zapper Van Winkle. My only concern with him is that he's cutting back to six furlongs. He doesn't have a whole lot of speed. So I think he can absolutely win, but he would be a hard horse for me to single because of his running style. I could very easily see him getting caught up, you know, a little too far back and and running on late for second. So for me, I feel like I can cover this race pretty well with six, nine. Um, There are others to use, but I, I like the six a little bit, and I think the nine, if, if they go a little too quick, I think he's the one that will come running. Yeah, and and I have the nine on top in here, too. The seven, I don't really trust as much. Um, I'm more kind of worried about him giving in on the stretch run like he's done a couple mm-hmm. times. He's he's failed as a favorite. 
The one that interests me, and you stole my thunder there, um, you're kind of catching the pattern with, with Bejarano on Bucky, mm-hmm. is actually like the one a little bit. Um, you get Alvarado yeah. back up. Sure. Um, going third start. I would say third start off, maybe a secondary layoff. kind of yeah. a, Third of the know, year, yeah. 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 Uh, gelding. Um, you know, $30,000 last time coming out of Orb. I think this one has just as good a shot as anyone, especially at this $30,000 level. But I think you could definitely get by in here with the nine or the six and I, the six on paper isn't the fanciest source, but I really think, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise. I would still play him at three to one. Sure. But yeah, I completely agree. Even if he's that, that's a, that, that's a good value line for him. Like three to one, seven to two. I'm completely fine with that. And he might get, get played a little more in here. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he gets played more than even a horse like Shaw who ran fine at the maiden 30 level last time out. But I would prefer Bucky to Shaw there and Zapper Van Winkle. I'm glad you mentioned the one, um, mm-hmm. Sire's Orb, who I like when you see a horse like this to me, sometimes it's like they're just figuring out where they belong, and then you drop to the maiden 30 level, the maiden claimers, and you run really well. Okay, that just seems like he fits He fits nicely with this group. He would be absolutely no shock in here. So, um, yeah, the six is a horse that we'll definitely both be including, and uh, the nine, probably the one to beat. Another uh, a little look to the one who uh, could sit a good trip from the inside there in race number five at Churchill. Let's get to race number six, and this is going to be uh, a group of Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up, which have never won three or three-year-old Phillies. They'll be traveling a mile on the turf course. The horses for me to start with are the four, Dominette, who's going to be stretching back to a mile, and she's coming out of those five-and-a-half furlong races. She could be right on the lead in another race that, you know, doesn't look like it really has that much speed. There might be one or two other horses that we can see sitting close, but I think naturally stretching back out from these races, we we see when she goes a mile, she's right on the lead or sitting very close. Um, I thought the seven would be tough. Um, who who were some of the horses that you start with? Well, yeah, and I like I like your idea on the seven there. I mean, I think there's five or six horses you can make cases for, and I totally agree with you on the four. Uh, you get Hernandez. We definitely want him to be on the front here. Um, I think this is the type of race that Brian Hernandez could absolutely win. And I think 9-2 to two is a fair price. Mm-hmm. What An angle, whether it is real or not, that kind of drives me crazy, which I want your take on, is between the 10 and the 12 here. So you have Florent Giroux, who jumps off the 10, you know, curiously. He's ridden three times for Greg Foley, and he hops on the 12 for Stanley House. You know, and it's it's what do you think about that? Do you go, you know, Drew maybe had his choice and he's, you know, made a pick and the 10 picks up Bejarano, who we obviously like, and he seems to be a turf specialist and you're getting eight to one. I think the better value is going to be in the 10. I know um, the 12 quiet company is going to take some money here, but um, I would kind of side with the 10, but I would kind of want to get your opinion on that. Yeah, that's always, you, that's always something to take a look at when you have a jock going one way or the other. And so you would look at quiet company. Absolutely. If this is a, I think if she draws in, she's going to be really, really tough, but I, right. I, I agree with you on just playing off of the horse itself. I would prefer the 10. I would prefer um, her, you know, at a little bit better of a price and um, so of the two of them, if they were close in price, I would prefer the 10, but it's, it's, a, it's an angle that I definitely look at. And I think it's, it's harder, I guess, in this situation because we don't know if the 12 is going to draw into this race because it, she's out on right. the also eligible list. You know? So we, if, if she was in the body of the field a little bit more, um, then I think we'd, we could at least um, you know, have 
even more of a conversation about it But it's always a fun angle to bring up when we play these Did the jockey know what's going on Was this like a, a race they entered late And they ended up getting on this horse um, Did they just plain out pick I want to ride for this barn over that barn It's really a fun Conversation to have and what's interesting Is that we've landed on Bejarano a few times So right, we're going to be uh, right. right we're going to be all in On Bejarano it looks yeah. like uh, This week uh, at Churchill on Thursday um, Let's see one we- other Horse I kind of want to mention and then uh, You can you can finish off this race yeah. afterwards um, The the six rushing Girl so uh, This barn doesn't Have a I think they have three horses Right now um, or a couple they, They've won a couple races with this horse Rushing girl if you go back to that September 19th race That kind of an effort Would be really competitive in this group Against the 40,000 non-winners of two She was 26 to 1 that day She wanted a big price And then since then She's been in pretty tough She's faced tougher She hooked a horse named Rogue 2 In the last couple Who was really quick And has rattled off a bunch of wins I don't know if she's going to be good enough To win this race Not having run since January but at a big price as a horse to use underneath I'm going to throw her into one of my late pick Fours or fives and definitely in some of the Exactas, tries and supers I think she could fall into a, a really good spot So I have kind of in a race that looks Wide open like I wouldn't be talking you Off the any of the inside four horses and We talked strongly about the Ten already and the seven's probably The one to beat but I'm going to kind of have Four and seven as my top tier With the six as my price horse behind them How do you stack up this sixth race well, and it's funny because I did notice that and then kind of scrolled a little bit past. But, that I mean, that does make sense. It looked like we were running a lot on the turf there with that six and 20 to one. I mean, that's and, – and what do you do with the one, the Zerlin? You get yep. Lannery, Lannery on the rail, which, I mean, I've watched that movie a thousand times this year. And running – Coming out of a couple races, much better races, yeah. 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 I, mean, what, I mean, what do you do? Could set the trip – you know, versatile. Um, it looks like wants to be a little bit more forwardly placed, but this is a race. I hate to cop out and say all, but no, I, no one would surprise me. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like any one or two. Like the three is a little low on numbers and figures, but she wouldn't be surprising if she jumped up and ran another good effort. The two has some races that are winnable there. That's what makes this race difficult. You you can see. Many horses in here with the ability to jump up And there have been a lot that haven't been quite consistent That's why they're in a race like this I think a lot of these fillies and mirrors their connections Might have thought they were a little bit better And this might be a little softer of a spot that they wanted Hopefully they can get you know Maybe a confidence boosting type race To pick things back up Yeah not an easy not an easy race in here and um, you know, an opportunity to uh, to catch a price, maybe even underneath price with a horse like uh, like the six rushing girl. And uh, you know, we went through a, a lot of this field, talking about even starting with the ten on the outside with Chris. So um, a, a sixth race that it will not be easy to kick off your late pick four. We move into now probably the more quality races of the day uh, in uh, in some of the last couple. The seventh race, non winners of two, optional sixty two. Um, a couple horses that I that I want to start with, but you know what makes it difficult. You know, like a horse like High Regard, who I look at getting back to the dirt, but then you have a barn who's just been really, really cold. It's hard to, you know, want to key in on a horse like that when their barn is struggling so much. And again, that's Bejarano, who right. you know, someone that we've been looking to all day long. I think you can make some excuses for her last few. And when we talk about all races, just kind of look at the morning line in this race. You don't have anyone who's lower than three to one. You don't have anyone who's you know higher than eight to one. Another one where I mean, any one of if you told me Rock and Ready 
or High Regard or Tiz Ella or Sarah C ended up going off favorite in here, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and that's the thing. This is just one of those weird races where it feels like everybody's going to be, you know, four or five to one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I, I'll go ahead and say this. I'm not the hugest fan of Garcia Churchill this year. Um, he gave our moon over Miami a, what I would call a lackadaisical ride last time out, and then that ended up coming back to win. I think Talamo might have ridden that horse. We were mm-hmm. talking about that horse the other yep. day. Yep. So against my better judgment, I'm going to settle on the five here just because of the last recent effort and, you know, Joe Sharp. Uh, but we're, we're talking three and a three uh, in the money this year. And I think that effort puts them right back. But you could go with the five, the three, or the one. Um, I like the one a lot in here, and I like the three, the Talamo and Lucas combo. Um, but with the one, you have those two Oakland dirt races that were at a mile he fits. Um, and I think Drew is going to, I would anyways, try to get – replicate that 27th of february trip um so nobody would surprise me i know it's a cop out but that no we hit it another we, tough race we hit it a few times throughout the card and i'll, I'll mention afterwards kind of how i'll approach a couple different you know of maybe pick four pick five sequences i'm absolutely going to play one where you have all in here i mean you can you you mentioned what's funny the one three and the five and then everybody else like the seven is the horse who i started with go back to tiz ella and and with tiz ella you can make excuses just for her last two because they were both followed by layoffs. And if you look at the races right before those, you have a, a good first level allowance win right here at Churchill Downs. That race would win this. Y- right. You know, um, goodbye Earl put a line through the grass race last time out. She had a little bit of trouble two starts back when she wasn't. When, you know, she was facing Sarah C. She'll have to improve a little bit, but but she she's not a horse who's like a filly who's towered over by any means in this spot. So again. You know, we're not, we don't have necessarily fields of 12 throughout this card at Churchill, but even in race number one, when we were looking at it and going, they're going to be a couple three or four to one shots in this race. It feels like there are three or four races like that throughout the card. Those are the, the sequences that are really, really tricky because you, as a, as a horse player, you can't go four by four by four by four by four at every race. Right. You have to one race. Make us take a stand and pick and choose where you're gonna where you're gonna stand, you know, and and so we'll have to do that at some point. But this this wasn't that kind of a race for me. No, we go back to November, just like you're saying with the four Tizella. We go back to November. You're saying, well, we get Lannery back up. We're back to business as usual. Just needed a race, and that's one that could could end up paying a very fair price, and I think totally fits in here, as, you know, as well as five other ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. So a, a difficult seventh race. I feel a little bit. I have a little stronger of opinion as we get to uh to race number eight. There are this is a good a, a nice race too with some nice horses in here. But I think I can kind of fe- feel confident keying in with a few. Um, the one that I'm going to start with is Seven Nation Army. Um, he he just loves the six furlong trip. I think sometimes going a little farther than six furlongs is is a tad too much for him. And he just really seems like he. Fits here. He has speed. He can sit just off. He's coming out of that race behind Volatile, who has instantly become one of the best sprinters in the land right now. And I think Seven Nation Army, he didn't race between March and June, came back on June the 6th. He might be a little bit tighter now, maybe a little bit fitter with that race under his belt. 
And we saw, you talked about Joe Talamo Who was really struggling, him and Del Romans Were both struggling, and then over the last week They have completely turned the corner And started to win a ton of races That's generally how it happens, right? Joe came out right. to Oaklawn, he was firing He was winning everything, and then it kind of turned A little bit for him towards the end of Oaklawn And then heading into Churchill, he was struggling And now it looks like it's turned back the other way He's winning races at Indiana Grand He's winning races at Churchill So I'm going to start with Seven Nation Army And this will be a horse who, if I can get Anything over seven to two, that's very fair. I might, uh, I might even be, you know, willing to single this horse on one or two of my different tickets because I always like to play a, a few different ones in here. I think he's in a really great spot in a race that people will probably spread out. So um, he'll definitely be on all my tickets. I'll mention a couple others afterwards. Uh, but who are some of the ones that stand out to you in this eighth? Well, I mean, he hate me obviously the nine, um, but a little bit more exciting to me. I like the in the two. I will say. Is was the top pick on my sheet here, so I totally agree with you. I want Talamo in this type of competitive short race. Um, was on the horse last time in a very nice race, but I totally agree with you on the two there. That's the one I'd be using. But if not, I would use a three nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Mucho seven to two. Yep. Bill Mott had some nice wins. This horse was running some nice races. Uh, only raced two times this year, but that last race he just barely got beat. And that was at six and a half furlongs. So we come back, come back a little bit to six. And I think this horse fits. Um, this uh, this type of race, you get Lay Peru, which, you know, I've won and lost on Lay Peru. Um, I prefer the two. But I think if you had to pick in here, I think you couldn't do anything wrong with the two, three, or the nine. Yeah, yep. They're all very logical. Um, I'll mention one other um, in here. The eight is, is a horse who was claimed now. Multiple times for 80,000 Which we don't see And this is a horse who is a stakes winner Who not long ago was You know trying grade 1 company In Southern California And wasn't completely disgraced behind Cistron I think line judge you can absolutely Make a case for so I think you hit uh, The logical horses I would add line judge Onto them for me it would be Kind of 2-3-8 you mentioned the, That 9 that you'll be using along with Them in the 8th the race here So uh, hopefully we can get if we can get I think if, if we got Seven Nation Army at 5-1, to one, we'd both be very, very happy with that um, in a race where he, he looks very tough, uh, race number eight. So if we're closing things out and we're alive in a pick four or a pick five, who do you need in this ninth race? Who do you want to have to feel confident going into this last race? Well, it, that that's what I love about this last race here. It's a mile and an eighth. It's made in special weight 79 on the turf. I mean, this is the kind of race where you really want to enjoy it. I mean, because I think this is going to be a really interesting race. I think it's wide open. I settled on the six long pants required at five to one for Brendan Walsh and Ricardo Santana. Um, I like this horse. I think this horse wants a mile and an eighth. When yep. I was looking at this race, I just kept coming back to when we go longer, at least recently, we do a little better. I think this horse is going to relish a distance. Santana is such a good stretch rider that i think if we can get clear i don't think this is the most difficult group to beat especially and i don't think he's going to be five to one i think he's going to be much higher than that but that's just me um that's the one i would go on top here she she just looks like she's coming into this race 
Really nicely She progressed from her March to her May start Now she's going to be making her third start since November She should be set for her absolute best Take one more step forward One more step forward on with the additional distance I think she's a must use in a lot of exotics um, I'll probably end up playing one ticket Where I do single the nine Just thinking that she might be able to steal the race Going mm-hmm. a mile and an eighth There is not that much speed in here and flabbergasted is coming out of a race where she ran really, really well. She has not done a whole lot wrong in her three starts. She's another who's kind of making her third start of the form cycle. She should be set to take a big step forward here. If she can clear, I mean, if one of the you know the the lightly raced horses like the Five Ships Creek or the first time starter um, doesn't doesn't go, flabbergasted could have you know a couple lengths on this field early and take them as far. And I I really think this is where Giroux like. Bread and butter, getting horse out on the front end Getting them to relax, just does such a Phenomenal job with that, so I'll play one ticket Where, you know, and, and maybe the Pick five, I can use Almost all the horses I like leading Up to ninth, the ninth race and singling The nine, and then I'll come back and play another ticket Where I use the six, seven, and the nine You know, I think the seven is interesting I don't love playing first time starters Going this long, generally Especially at a mile and eighth But this barn is actually capable of Getting a horse to go long First time out and the dam of this Runner a little bit sassy she was A three time winner um, all of them Were going long on the grass she was a stakes Winner she was multiple graded stakes placed So there is some quality uh, Pedigree to this filly going long on the Grass and if she's able to show it right Away she could be a very very nice Price to close things out so I'll make Sure I use her on some tickets here But um, yeah I'll play one where I single the nine I'll play another where I use six seven And nine you mentioned the six. Any other horses that that you would be uh, using in this last? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know that I would have this horse to win, but but definitely in my exotics here, I kind of like the four, the horse from Corda mm-hmm. with uh, Chris Landeros, Ian sure. Wilkes. That's a good combo. Maybe this horse just needed a race, and it looks like in that mile on the sixteenth. You know, I don't know that that was that bad of an effort. No, I, mean, I think you know, in coming out, I mean, anybody could win this one, and. If say the four wins, you go back and look and say, well, this was a three-time turf starter. Maybe we just needed the race in April, and I, I don't hate it, especially at twelve to one. No, she's coming out of some strong races too, because you know, just from a, a pure speed figure standpoint, the race where she got where she was ninth last time out, that is not far off of the races that the horses who have been you know second and close to winning have run in this race. So it just shows you it was a strong race. She comes out of the race came back and and graded out well. Um, they jump up at a price and win all the time. So I think you you nailed the other horse in here. That would that right. would be another one if I was going a little bit deeper. I, I think the five is kind of a wild card. Um, people see that really quick work over at at uh, at Keeneland, and maybe we can assume that the the plan for this filly is okay. Hey, let's try to send her long on the grass and see if we can get her out front because there really isn't a lot of speed. If they want to get aggressive and maybe flabbergasted sit, then maybe Ships Creek. Can can get out there and, and hang around for a price But um, I, I think you mentioned the horse right away Long pants required That's one uh, That's a must use And then um, I, I like the You know The nine flabbergasted on the lead And, and Aubrey, uh, Audrey's attitude As a, a live firster That can make a little bit of noise here So Yeah throughout the card um, If you look back uh, Chris Throughout your your past performances, give us one or two horses throughout the card that you uh, that you think you know the folks out there should absolutely use in some of their pick fours, pick fives, however they're placing. Who who are one or two horses throughout the day that you like the most? I'm going to go back to Bucky. That yep. that horse in race yep. five. It 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 doesn't look fantastic on paper, but with Bejarano, it just seems like 
that horse has a lot of upward improvement. And then Bucky should be sitting a great trip with the speed in there. Yep, one more step oh, forward yeah. on the drop. Bucky's absolute must use for me. And you, you know, and like I said, like we said in race five, you can use Zapper Van Winkle, but mm-hmm. it just seems like you're going to get not that great value on the nine, the seven in that race. And Bucky, you know, could float up. The uh, the other one I like is our West Bank baby for uh, Calhoun, and that's in race two. I do think the six is going to win that race in race two. That's one of my more strong opinions of the day. But I could see where with the blinkers off, this one surprises. Um, even though I do believe in the six in that race, those would be my two that I would definitely take a shot with. Chris Tivman hanging out with us for the first time on That's What G Said podcast. Chris, thanks for uh, going through the Churchill Thursday card with us. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully we uh, we directed the folks to a couple of winners out there. And I'd love to have you back more um, when, uh, when I guess, either Churchill back or Keelan. So when they're not at Churchill, um, where are some of the other tracks that you're focusing in on and playing? I love Keeneland. Um, and I like Oakland. And I bet quite a few uh, Belmont pick fives uh, hit a couple pick fives up at Belmont this meet, too. So those are those are definitely my three main tracks. Chris, uh, let the uh, let the folks out there again know where can we follow you along on social media and um, and you know talk some racing with you. Yeah, it's at the Chris two one three on Twitter for all your hot Louisville basketball and Louisville football takes. I'm a big football guy, nice. even though we're in a basketball state. I really like what's going on with the football program right now. So at the Chris two one three, if anybody wants to talk racing or football or basketball, I'm all for it, and I really appreciate you having me on, man. Cool. Well, once we get into, uh, well, hopefully, we can our fingers crossed with the college season. Once we get in there, we'll bring you on and preview, uh, preview Louisville's uh, season coming up. Oh, that sounds great. I'd love to. Chris Tivman, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, I appreciate that. Good luck with the uh, the selections for Thursday, and and we'll be going back and forth on social media. All right, let's get some winners. Okay, folks, uh, that was Chris Tivman. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back here on That's What G Said. So I know you're a horse racing fan because you're in the middle of listening to the Wednesday and, and Thursday handicapping stuff. So stop right now. Go to oldsmokeclothing.com. Oldsmokeclothing.com. Check this website out. If you're a horse racing fan, this is the way you can show the horse racing fan in you. We're talking t-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats. They have, you know, the biggest races, slogans, logos, uh, and, and then more importantly, there's a deal right now on the Old Smoke Clubhouse for an annual fee of $500. This is Thoroughbred Racing's exclusive membership for the sport's most passionate fans. You get quarterly packages delivered to your doorstep, filled with apparel, items, experiences that encompass the lifestyle of the sport of kings. So you get four deliveries. You get the Eclipse, which ships the first week of January, the Derby, which ships the first week of April, the Spa, which ships the first week of July, and the Royal, which ships the first week of October. Each quarterly package will include... A t-shirt only available to members, custom horse racing themed gift, and various package fillers. Annually, you get one Old Smoke Clubhouse headwear piece made exclusively for members. You get one Old Smoke Clubhouse designer outerwear piece made exclusively for members. And the membership perks of the Old Smoke Clubhouse. 20% off all orders at oldsmokeclothing.com. Access to the Old Smoke Clubhouse online forum. 
video feature appearance on America's Best Racing.net, quarterly betting contest, cashback referral program, additional perks added quarterly. For more information, email clubhouse at oldsmokeclothing.com. Check out the website oldsmokeclothing.com, and we've got a deal for you. When you use that promo code G-I-N-O, you get free shipping. No shipping costs there when you use that promo code G-I-N-O. OldSmokeClothing.com, promo code Gino when you go to checkout. And speaking of checkout, make sure to give a look to that clubhouse that offer 500 bucks annual fee and you get packages delivered to you all throughout the year. OldSmokeClothing.com, promo code G-I-N-O for free shipping. A big thank you to Chris coming on, talking some Churchill Downs with us for the first time. We go from one interview of Thursday Racing to the next interview of Thursday Racing. It's going to be uh, Brian Aragoni. He's back for part two. We're going to talk Thursday, Canterbury, their late pick five on a loaded horse racing episode of That's What G Said. So Thursday, pick five at Canterbury. Get those past performances out for June the 25th. It's the pick five with Brian Aragoni one more time. Back talking some Canterbury Park for Thursday. I had to take advantage because we had him. Uh, we had him before we we had the the racing for Wednesday and Thursday. So I figured Brian Aragoni, the man over at Canterbury Park, we got to get two for one and talk two pick fives with Brian. So Brian, thanks for uh, for hanging out with us again and discussing this Thursday pick five as we jump into the past performances for June the twenty fifth. It's going to be race number four for that ten percent low takeout pick five. And again, we know we start going a mile on the turf course here. I thought this was kind of an interesting race because this is one race that we've seen where we do have a lot of horses who have not raced since last year. And then you have a horse like Rental Pool, um, who's one of the few with the recent races under their belt. So how do you treat a race like this kicking off this pick five sequence? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I'm going to take a stand against Steal the Thunder. You've got the barn change. Joe Sharp did not come to Canterbury this year, so don't be too concerned about the Butzos moving their horses to Valerie Lund. But a horse like Steal the Thunder has been entered for a tag numerous times, now comes back in an allowance spot one of two ways, either drastic improvement that they want to keep the horse protected or just in a bad spot. And I think this one looks to be in a bad spot. A horse like Rental Pool with Novogratz Racing Stables and Mac Robertson, one for one on the turf, and you really, they never saw the bottom of the tank with this three-year-old filly on dialed in, won easily by open lengths on the turf, and that was a Minnesotan taking on open company. So the main and breaking was against open company, and then they thought enough of to try the Northern Lights debutant after that. So I think Rental Pool, if showing improvement on the turf, it could be a play for sure, but a horse like Chuby Royal has simply ran against better, three victories, little light and win category likes to settle for second as you can see in the running lines back-to-back second place finishes with nine seconds but i do think to be royal is just going to be too much for this bunch even off the layoff but ringstorf has success off of layoffs like this yeah i just i'm with you i think those are the, the two horses to mention she she's been a to be royal has been a six-time beaten favorite but she just really fits well in here there's just no monsters this is a great group for her to make her, you know, uh, 2020 debut. 2B Royal will come running. The only other horse I'll use, I think, will be Rental Pool. I think I'm just using those two um, as Rental Pool maybe gets a, a little bit of a, a tactical jump on 2B Royal. And maybe that's the way Rental Pool can win. As you mentioned, I don't think we really even saw 
what this this filly is capable of doing on the grass. She wasn't really tested, and and she's one that got that June twentieth prep race out of out of the way. She got that race under um, under her belt, and I think she ran pretty well. She has legitimate. Tactical speed sprinting so maybe She can either get in front of Nora's legacy Or maybe sit right behind Nora's legacy And get the jump on the seven but but I think this is not a favorite the seven To be royal that I would be trying to beat or Take a stand against she just looks really Really tough and you know turning for Home if you don't have her in the first leg She's going to come running and she's going to put a scare Into you I think absolutely I mean to be royal is strictly the One to beat in here the 15 second And third place finishes is a concern so is the layoff, but it, it could be a race when it's all said and done. If you go more than just to be royal, you might be kicking yourself because the next four legs, I think, are incredibly difficult. Yeah, I didn't. As we move to race number five um, at Canterbury on Thursday, I didn't think there was a whole ton of speed in this fifth race, and so I'm gonna go to the way outside with Cowgirl Court. I just think she's gonna. She's set up pretty well for this race. She's second off the bench. She got her prep race out of the way on June the 10th when she was speed and fade. That was against Maiden 15s. Now she drops into the Maiden 75 level where she's had her best success, where she was the runner up a couple of times against, um, you know, a group like this. And she just got she got pressed by a horse who was the the favorite last time out. Um, and that horse actually faded and finished fourth. So it wasn't like a a race where the speed all fared that well. I, for me, I'm starting with the 13 cowgirl court, and um, this may be a horse I single on one or two tickets, and and just hope that she can clear from the outside. Yeah, I, I don't have anything against your horse in cowgirl court at, at all. Speed in a maiden claiming race. This is a race I typically try and spread. You know, especially at Canterbury Park. Last year we saw maiden special weight class droppers win races, no matter what their form was. And I'm a track variant guy. I follow the variants and the variables which you can find on daily racing form right to the right of the odds. That's mm-hmm. usually where my handicapping home is, my home base. And last year, for whatever reason, I was misled so many times where I played claimers that had better variables, uh, you know, than the main and special weight droppers. And, and, and we saw it. it's the biggest drop in the cla- in the game. So I'm going to use the four horses dropping out of main and special weight company, no matter what their form is on paper, two, three, 10 and 11. And, you know, the two and the three are both lightly raced. Vic Hansen can train for speed off of a long layoff. The, the three coming in off of a longer layoff, a little bit surprised that they're bringing this horse back. But, you know, barn change could be ready to go. You've got the white Lori Beeler riding for Michael Beeler, so this horse should be fit and ready to go. Um, can't imagine she's getting the call if that horse is going to run a lackluster last. And then we miss Bernsey and baby Gordita, who's, your most likely favorite, in my opinion, one start, made in special weight, now drops in class. I'm going to just follow the class droppers, and hopefully we can catch a price. Yeah, the 10 is, is is a horse who I'll be absolutely using on a couple other tickets. I think you you, you talked about you know the, the super live horses in here. What I like about We Miss Bernsey, too, is she's at least shown us some tactical speed. In her starts, right? So we know now in, in start number two, start number three, she's she's got the ability to sit close. She had sort of a slow start. It wasn't really a, a ton as it said stumble at the start. She ended up sitting pretty close. And just if she's in that same spot against a much lesser group, she's just gonna go a longer a, a long way in here. Um we yeah, yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the horses. I mean, this this race wouldn't shock me from the appeal of, of even the first time starter like the one Sweeties can be. I, I guess we'll probably have to see the kind of money she takes, but we won't be able to do that in the pick five. Um they, they just won't you just wouldn't have to be a monster to beat a group like this with a ton of question marks. Um so from a from a you know, a multi race exotic 
spread out kind of way. This is a, a fun race because I don't, you know, if I can take a stand on, on the 13 on one ticket and then, you know, use a lot of the other horses you said on on another, I think a lot of people are going to have to having to be spread out in this race. Yeah, and, and a horse like Sweetest can be as a horse that I love to play against. If I get beat and I'm starting over in a rolling pick three or pick four, so be it. But these are mm-hmm. horses that in the long run will not provide you value in your pick fours or pick fives. You've got a horse that's purchased for 16500 and, you know, I always compare it to a car. You buy a car and, and you're riding it once, and in this case, they haven't even ridden in it, and they're already trying to sell it for half of what they bought it for. Never That's positive. Time for me. Nope. And breaking from the rail makes matters even worse. There is zero value in getting a horse like Sweetest can be home on your pick five or pick four. In my yeah, opinion. you, you got to come out running from the inside. You talked about the fact that just with like a, a big name or connections that are na- known locally, you get a little bit more money too than you should. And even off of a pretty decent work last time out, this is a horse will probably take a little bit of money too. So yeah, I'm I'm fine going against and um, looking for a little more value in that fifth race. Uh, we get to race number six. We'll go a mile on the turf course here. These are Minnesota bred maidens, fillies, and, and mares, three year olds and up. And the there's a bomb that I'm going to be using. Uh, I don't know if if he'll if she will be the kind of price that she is in the morning line. I mean, just looking overall at the turf form, Peyton Sky Dancer is a horse who I have to throw in on at least a couple different tickets. I mean, she owns the best turf races in here. The major problem, Brian, is that those turf races are back in. You know, we're talking 2018. We're talking 2016 for some of them. I mean, but we're we're looking at a Philly or a mayor now who like four or five of those races would absolutely beat this group, and she has a, an excuse for the other one. It's just over the last year we've seen her run at Fawner a bunch and not really show anything. So she's like kind of a long shot. I do want to use on some tickets, but um, I do think the three is is pretty logical. Who's a half? Uh, this one's got a pretty nice little pedigree here. The three-year-old filly. She's a half bro to Hot Shot Kid, who was a good horse over at Canterbury. Five hundred seventy-five thousand earnings. A fourteen-time winner, multiple stakes winner. I think just won the ten thousand lakes uh, last week, right? And then yeah, horse who's won on the turf. Yeah, upset uh, Mr. Jägermeister last week in in what was an awesome race. You know, Warren's Wish certainly can improve on the turf. Uh, you know, the question mark is: Are they trying something they didn't get what they hoped for? And just uh, taking a shot. Yeah. The dirt and, and now they're kind of out of options. And before they drop, you know, they're going to give the horse a chance on the turf. I don't know what to make of this race. Um, I think it's difficult. It's funny you bring up Peyton Skydancer. It's a horse, you know, back in 2016 and 17, I needed, or 18, excuse me, I needed this horse plenty of times. Never runs a step on the dirt. So that 0 for 18 is a little misleading. Um, but there's so many opportunities that this seven year old mare, who's still a maiden now, has. And just hung. I mean, mm-hmm. just hung so badly in the lane. And is she the bet? So and is she even as good now as she was then when she used to hang? You know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a major question mark. But there's no world beaters in this group. And at 20 to 1, it's an excellent spot to take a chance. I'm all long shots in here. I think the one is vulnerable for Sarah's sake. Me too. Uh, yep. Vulnerable down on the inside. So I'm going to try a horse like Notepad. A first-time starter by Patio Prado could take to the turf. Denny Velasquez, Joel Burnt. You never know what you're going to get going long, um, but the workouts are consistent, should be fit. Uh, you know there's not much value in Warren's Wish, but maybe a horse like Tantima, Valerie London, Leandro Gonzalez showed a little bit of life last time off the layoff. Now stretches out on the turf by FedBiz. You've got Giant Causeway. Could take two, two turns on the turf in a big way. I think there's a race to try and spread. Catch some value, and I am taking a stand against the one. 
Yeah, a couple of the horses to, to mention too Like the 8, come on Sweet Pea, I kind of treat like a first timer They actually took a shot against Open uh, Company in the debut And they hooked a sloppy racetrack So you can easily make an excuse The dam was a winner on turf Even the 10 top shelf share, uh, Sarah The dam was a four time winner on the grass Maybe she improves a little bit on the turf The, the 11 Dreaming Biz um, Another one whose dam um, Was uh, 4 for 21 And what, what I like about Dreaming Biz And the dam uh, Mesa Mirage Mesa Mirage's first couple starts were on the dirt And then tried the turf And won um, at Canterbury Pretty nicely And all four wins were on the grass This is also a horse who's a half To a $204,000 Five time winning multiple stakes winner So I think the 11 makes a little bit of sense In here, the 12's damn one on the grass So yeah, this this will be definitely a spread race To me, I'm with you on not Loving the one for Sarah's sake If we're going to be spreading out, let's be spreading out Looking for some prices here In a, in a, in a fun 6th race At Canterbury we get to the uh, the second half of the pick five sequence with races seven and eight. We start with the uh, race number seven. And uh, Brian, where do you start in this one? This is where my second single comes, and it's going to come at a price in Marengo Tango. Nice, a, a, a cool story that uh, you know not many people would appreciate. And I think Tim Padilla got a lot of flack for bringing Marengo Tango back to the eight thousand level off a five year layoff, but brought in a perfect win record. Was two for two. I believe as a two-year-old or three-year-old and then came back as a nine-year-old and dismantled the field. It was the 8,000 non-winners of three at Tampa, but ran really well. And then after that, bit off a little bit more than they could chew on the turf. Ran evenly last time out at Tampa and then at Canterbury, six and a half furlongs. I thought on a track that you could not close in at all for a horse who had nine and never really shown the ability to track, tracked nicely and ran behind Trapalanda who went off at three to five that day. And the time ended up fast, 115-4. and four. The track was playing lightning quick. Uh, but Marengo Tango seems to be in good form. Second try over the turf. And uh, a horse like Cabin John is a horse I love to play against. You've got 18 lengths beaten at Santa Anita, then switches Barnes, tries Fawner, beaten by 24 lengths, never involved in the last few starts. Now goes out for a Barnes who, who wins races, but there's no value at 5-2. to two. So I'm going to try Marengo Tango. I think Dean Butler likely had opportunities to ride elsewhere in here. You know, Kerry Raven has been using him a lot through the first two weeks, so he lands on Tim Padilla's horse, who had success down in Tampa. That's going to be a single for me. But outside of singling Marengo Tango, I think the race is wide open. Like I said, I'm playing against the six, but you could use about five or six in here. Yeah, you hit the horse, so I, I'm, I'm glad uh, we all should be using Marengo Tango, absolutely I mean, Trapalanda, who he just ran into, that's an 11-time winner That's won four of his last five Very rarely do we say uh, the nine-year-old is lightly raced But that is the case with Marengo Tango You still feel like there's a little bit of upside with this guy Who's who's you know still figuring things out This is a great spot for him uh, The nine, Creative Art, I think is, is super logical He's you know a 10-year-old who just loves to win races And he's drawn well to the outside He could just fall into a, a really good spot um, the one is the other horse I would like to mention Omen of Change Because it, kind of a, a point that I was talking about a little earlier Is those 6250 races at Oaklawn that he's exiting Were really, really tough at this point These are deep, full fields You could see coming out of races with 11, 12, 11, 12 Legitimate horses who were dropping down Because there weren't a lot of other spots to run in at those times They are better than they look on paper and I think Omen of Change is a horse I don't love the rail, but if they go a little too quick up front This one could come rolling late 
Um, on a div- on a deeper ticket, I wouldn't talk you off using a horse like Long Station, but I'm I'm against Cabin John um, as well. Um, you know, I, I would much prefer even using horses like the two game day decision or the three great Blake than Cabin John. But I, I'm with you. I think you have to start with Marengo Tango. For me, I have five and nine as kind of my top tier, and then five nine one. Um, you know, and, and maybe my next ticket. But yeah, let's take some swings against Cabin John here. Who, I mean, if he beats us, this is how I look at it a lot of times, Brian. Like, we're gonna have five to two shots that we like a lot more that I'm okay with playing than than with a with a horse like Cabin John. Yeah, absolutely. And Creative Art is a horse I just didn't know what to do with. You know, I mm-hmm. love this horse. He brings his A game every time. But at the age of ten, I just don't think he's as good as he once was. He used to show a ton of speed. He is kind of for for an old guy. He has a tendency to act up at the gate, be off a little bit slow like he did in the honor of the hero last year, where he was likely much the best and had to settle for second. So I, I just don't know what to do with creative art. I think, you know, his best days, he would blow this field away. Um, you know, and if he is two to five or three to five, maybe you follow the money with creative art. But I think he hit the nail on the head with the value and the one on Omen change for a barn that doesn't claim a ton of horses. You know, you've got Kelsey Har, who had a very nice meet at Oakland Park riding for her fiance. So when Robert Klein uses Kelsey Har, it's a play because she's getting all the live mounts. Uh, she's got the ring on her finger for Robert Klein. And, and Omen of Change comes back in a reasonable spot off a 62.50 claim. And only one work, this this horse is most likely fit and ready to roll. Well, hopefully we're going to be four for four heading into the uh, the eighth race at Canterbury on Thursday. We've got open $7,500 claimers, a five furlong turf sprint to close out the pick five sequence. And, I mean, on paper at least – it looks like the horses in the middle of the field will be the ones that I think take a bulk of the action and will probably be pretty tough. The four, Epic Drama, the five, Go Pro. Epic Drama is coming out of a, a race against a little bit better and, and probably sits a nice trip in here. Uh, Go Pro just missed for, uh, for Diodoro, who's going to start to ramp up now. We imagine uh, they're going to be filling the entry boxes after another really strong year. Um, they're coming off of at Oaklawn and Will Rogers and all over the place. So I guess, how do you approach this eighth race? Who do we need to close? I, I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable unless I had the all button in here. I think this is a tough race. Um, I don't know how you saw it, but I think this this field is legit. You know, you've got Go Crows, two for two. The connection's made 42000 last year, and then off of a brief layoff, they dangled that carrot for 4000 They got away with it. But uh, you've got Diodoro, who, who goes through horses in the claiming ranks and has plenty of success with Empire Racing Stables, uh, who was our leading owners last year. They're not afraid to lose a horse. So for GoCro, the low-level claiming doesn't concern me. Um, there's some in here that I'd take a look at. A horse like Giant Gamble, you yep. brought line through last race. It was on the dirt. Loves our turf course. Could improve in a big way and has some races uh, that would win this last year. But to be honest, it, it looks like an all race. If you can afford it, I agree. You know, the four and the five do not have to win this race. Yeah, I think I think if you can get to there in the last and, and have the opportunity, and and we we could, you know, we've we've talked about some races where we might be able to uh, to shorten up earlier on. I I thought the three with that kind of with that kind of speed on the turnback could be really tough proven on the grass. Um, uh, the and then the other one would be for, for be, would be the two. You know what? His two turf tries were going, you know, seven and a half furlongs, and I think this is a good spot for Fender Bender. Turning back could have a little bit more punch. I mean, he went by GoCro last time out. We'll see if he can transfer that form over to the grass. So uh, super consistent. And he can sit a little bit. So for me, I kind of would have 
two, three, four, five as my main, and and then like you said, I'd love to to play. Like I'm gonna probably play one ticket where I go something like this. Um, you know, in, in the start in race number four, I might play a ticket where I go three seven. Uh, I single the thirteen, then I come back with three seven eight eleven with five nine with all. That's one approach for me. Could come back with another ticket where we go, you know, three seven to start, and then go a little deeper using you know one five ten eleven thirteen, and then on that ticket you can shorten up a little bit on the back end and maybe use your uh maybe like a three four five there. So different approaches for me. And some of the horses that I think I'm going to be building my tickets around in the fifth race, the number thirteen cowgirl court, um, in the and and with you uh, the, in the the seventh race, also the number five. I think uh, the uh, Morongo one that we have to include on all of our tickets. To me, those are two must uses. And then maybe the bomb in the sixth race, the seven Peyton Sky Dancer, as you mentioned. There's just no monsters in there. Maybe the the long shot with some of that old turf form. Can uh, can call back on one of those races, but I, I like both of these these sequences. Give us some of your overall thoughts on the Thursday sequence. Yeah, and the only horse I'll add in in the nightcap is a horse like Masterwell Stride in the six hole. You get twelve to one morning line, epic drama. Your second choice on the morning line, and they were only a length away. And I thought when I watched the replay, Masterwell Stride finished full run, actually ran very well, broke from the inside that day, and was off incredibly slow. Julio Felix should be more comfortable on this eight year old by Posse. Second time out off of a brief layoff. I think there's upside in Masterful Stride at double digit odds, but I'm going to play it similar to you. Uh, on one ticket, I'll likely single the seven um, and two be Royal on the first leg and try and go deep in race number seven. But on my other ticket, Marengo Tango in race number seven, going to be a single for me. And, you know, depending on how the earlier day goes, that early pick four, hopefully we have some money in our pocket because I want to be as deep as I can in that last race. I, I think that's a race to try and spread as much as you reasonably can, but my keys of the sequence are going to be to be Royal and then Marengo Tango at eight to one. Brian, really appreciate your time. We went through Wednesday. We went through Thursday. Um, for those of the folks who, who were just listening into this Thursday part, give us all uh, your plugs again. Where can we find you on social media and let us know. So what, um, we, when the, the Canterbury race day starts, where are we going to find you or where are we going to be able to hear from you throughout the day? Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, with no fans, I'm up in the press box quite a bit uh, in our TV studio. I'll be on uh, just a couple minutes to post uh, talking to the simulcast players. We don't have a lot of fans on track. Typically, I'm out in the paddock uh, telling you about how I handicapped the race and view the horses. But at this time, I'll be in the studio. And then you can follow me each and every day on Twitter. My my Twitter handle is Mr. B underscore CBY analyst. And, and we're giving out some inside information uh with canterbury park and handicapping the races to try and make everyone money next next week we'll actually start our first four-day week of racing monday through thursday 4 30 each and every day and we're hammering that 10 percent low takeout pick five each and every day it's going to be the last five thoroughbred races on the card it's averaging over a hundred thousand in handle and uh the payouts have been excellent as well we had a fifty six thousand dollar record payout so far in the pick five and i expect that to continue Brian, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. This was one of those uh, those guys that you know have seen, talked, uh, you know, maybe interacted with once or twice online, but never had the uh, the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation and talk races. This was a blast, um, and uh, I think we might be in a, a little bit of trouble, or we're both going to be making some money because it seemed like we saw the ball pretty similarly uh, these uh, this Wednesday and Thursday racing cards. Thank you so much. I hope this is the first time of, of many having you back on the. That's what she said. I appreciate it. And for those of you new to Canterbury, welcome. And uh, hopefully we can all make some money.
Brian Aragoni there. You heard the ways you can follow him. We're going to be watching him whenever we play those races over at Canterbury. Big thank you to Brian. Don't go anywhere, folks. So we're going to hear from one of our sponsors. We'll be right back on That's What G Said. That's going to do it for That's What G Said. A big thank you to our guest, Brian Aragoni, pulling double duty. Chris joining us for the first time, talking some Churchill Downs uh, for later this week, for those of you who are interested in what's gonna gonna be on the the menu for our uh, our weekend preview show, well, we'll continue to you know update you on everything going on in the world of MLB, NBA, NFL as the major sports um, are on their way back, and then it'll be horse racing. Scott Shapiro is gonna join us to talk about the big stakes races and the big card at Churchill Downs. So we'll talk Churchill Downs Saturday stakes with Scott Shapiro. We're gonna talk. Some Lone Star Racing And we're going to have a new guest that we welcome into you So surprise guest will uh, be welcoming you To talk some of the Lone Star Saturday card And we'll also go through Some of the other um, Saturday racing We'll talk some Pleasanton Over the next, uh, the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday And you know, we're going to have that old wrestling rewatch Where you go through the 1998 Royal Rumble That's going to be coming up on the next episode Of That's What G Said Right now, we close this one out With Joey Cleveland <laughs>